0: <laughs> You've done this one. Uh-huh, I try, shake that thing? Gonna make you burn, gonna make you
1: stay. Hello, you're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for <laughs> Tintin. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian... Miss... Misamski Masam, I think. Uh,
2: for this podcast, I will be known as Aspartame.
1: Uh <laughs> I didn't get that one. Take but- that, chick. <laughs> uh, we also have with us with a Tintin tagline, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, what is the tagline for Tintin?
0: It's like Indiana Jones, but as Dagwood. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh let's talk about Tintin. Uh Yeah, let's stop waiting and talk about it. Talk
1: about it. <laughs> Am I the only one who when saying the name wants to continue saying the word Tin Tin Abulation? Does that occur to you guys or is that just me? Fits? It's just you because you're not saying the title of the movie. Tom has a tin tin ear ear for
0: dialogue. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, I want to say Rintintin. I want to add a prefix where you want to suffixate it. Oh, that's why you thought the dog was named Tintin. Well, yeah, and I. Tin Rintintin is a dog, right? Right. Well, is that <laughs> why am I the only person who like that's all You're I not. can think about even while watching the movie? Like, Wendy, Wendy thought dog? we were going
2: to see a movie about Rintintin.
0: What, but Tin's a German Shepherd, isn't he? Good a point. Poodle? those i get those two next time
1: well, i think rin tin, tin is probably more famous in america than regular 10 10 so I, I don't know you know what before we plumb the depths of this uh dingus yeah. why don't you uh give us a little spoiler free synopsis of what this tin, tin thing is and then we'll we'll talk about it more in, in depth uh what, what is this Tin Tin thing dingus all right well this
2: week we saw the adventures of Tin Tin. Mm. Known also as The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn.
1: What?
2: A, a 2011 American performance capture 3D action-adventure movie about a reporter, his dog, and some MacGuffins. The first unit was directed by Steven Spielberg, second unit directed by Peter Jackson. What? Movie was written MacGuffins by Steven. hot
0: dog dogs?
2: Mm-hmm. Movie was written by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright and mm. Joe Cornish. Mm. It stars Jamie Bell, Andy Circus, and Daniel Craig, and is based on three comic books by Georges Remy, who goes under the pen name of Hergé. <laughs> the movie is rated PG for adventure action violence, some drunkenness, and brief smoking. Mm.
1: What? I do you recall... I recalled brief drunkenness. Actually, I didn't think it was that brief. It seemed pretty prolonged. But but uh, superpower. No, there's Not brief smoking drinking. and oh, some brief smoking. Right, some drunkenness. Yes. Okay. I do. I do. Finally, I do concur with the MPAA. Then. <laughs> uh, okay, Kelly Wan, you've seen. Oh, I have, th- I have another. I have It's something
0: you'll hear from the trailer for the movie. Okay, you ready? If I was in charge of everything, which okay. will happen. Mm-hmm. sometime 2013. If you like comic strip characters,
1: but wish they were in 3D... Oh, then go see Tintin. No, I don't know. I just, haven't just <laughs> <laughs> So are we going to find out how this film did? Ah, yes. I'm glad you asked. I, I would have forgotten. Uh, Tintin did not do well. Uh, but then again, neither did anything. It's a soft box office month. Uh, but Tintin opened at 5th place... Which is not necessarily good news. Nine it was beat by Chipwrecked, by Mission Impossible, by uh, by Sherlock Holmes. How does that feel to get beat by Sherlock Holmes on mm. its second week? Uh worse. It made nine million. However, the weird thing about Tintin is it opened internationally back in October, so it's got a, a international take of three hundred million behind it so far. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily great. I, I, I'm guessing we won't see 10 sequels. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll stick with it.
0: Enoch uh, Jackson's supposed to do one.
1: You know what? Maybe that'll help. But you know, That I don't, was the plan. I don't want to tip my hand. So, you know, maybe I'll be very disappointed that Steven Spielberg isn't going to do another one. You know, he's... How suspenseful. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's see. On Rotten Tomatoes, critically, so made $9 million, uh, commercially. Critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, which gauges the percentage of reviews that are positive, it's sitting at 74%. On Metacritic, which gauges the rating, which is an, an average of the rating of all the reviews, it's currently at 67%. Uh, so right there at the two-thirds that's mark. That's a D in high school. <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a passing grade or not. So... Uh, all right, so that's how Zero Tintin points. is doing. Uh, now, before we uh, weigh in ourselves, Kelly Wan, why don't you go ahead and just spoil Tintin for everyone? Oh, okay. You mean a Tintinopsis? <laughs> a Tintinopsis would be awesome.
0: <sighs>
1: all right. I did what I could. I would, think, I would think that this would be ripe for an awesome. Op- yeah, I,
0: the flaw was with me and not Tintin. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, th- that's why this will suck. Not because. Nah, ah, yeah. Tintinopsis. Uh, so there's this 12 year old asexual Belgian ace cub reporter named Tintin. Although he has no boss, colleagues, newspaper, typewriter, deadline, salary, parents, friends, love interest, or dark side, but he does have a white Toto dog named snowy who writes all his copy. <laughs> and the paper boys who work for the same paper he does, but are all older than him. All fucking hate his guts. And since he's independently wealthy from his cover porting, he hangs out at this French marketplace in London or Sweden and buys models of stuff in the hopes that one will somehow eventually become newsworthy. The movie starts on the day he strikes pay dirt, He buys a model ship called the Unicorn from some old man, and John Polito tries to buy it off him, but Tintin's all, hmm, Polito, eh? And then Stuart Margolin, the dude from Rockford Files, also tries to buy it off him, and we know he's the villain because he has a beard, so Tintin doesn't sell. So Tintin goes back to his Belgian newspaper office, part-time mansion, and Snowy gets in a fight with a cat that somehow got inside, and the ship gets <laughs> broken. Metal cylinder the guy he bought it from never heard clattering around inside falls out in slow motion, clinks loudly on the floor and rolls under the duvet, which Tintin doesn't hear or see because he's not in a line of work where he's called on to be perceptive. And he's all, well, now that it's broken, I guess I'll go to the one place on Earth that has information about model ship mysteries. So he goes to a library, and he finds a tome called Adventure Story Exposition-Some Naval-Based Ones, Volume 9. (laughs) And he's all, wow, some guy named Captain Haddock fought another guy named Saccharin, who has the same voice and beard as the guy who wanted to buy the ship's model off me. And, because the dude killed all his men... He blew up both their ships and all the treasure his men died trying to attain, then made three models of his ship and put clues in all of them as to what longitude and latitude he buried a tiny part of the treasure that fell into his hat when the ships blew up, which he then put in his cellar before selling the ship's models to guys on three different continents. And all the while, he drank constantly. Great Lakes! (laughs) (laughs) And Snowy barks, and the dog speaks. Subtitle reads, What's a haddock? And Tintin goes... I believe it's what the fisherman's wife had on her honeymoon. <laughs> Snowy sighs morosely. When they get back to Tintin's mansion apartment, the boat's missing and the place has been turned upside down, all except for the duvet, which for some reason was left untouched and not moved. Uh, Snowy barks, and Tintin's all, Oh, there's a cylinder to the duvet? Good boy. I was wrong to name you after the weather. And he finds the cylinder and opens it and reads it aloud so the dog understands. Because Snowy can bark Belgian dog but not read it because uh, he's a dog. I have four walls and a fence around me with a sign on it that says Marling Spike Hall. What am I? <laughs> Tintin goes, hmm. So he goes to Marling Spike Hall, which is at next door uh, conveniently. And Stuart Margolin and his butler are dusting off the model ship. And uh, Tintin grabs it and goes, You stole this from me, you 1920s fiend? (laughs) Then he looks at the boat and goes, Wait a sixpence. Snowy broke the mast off, but this one's not broken off. It must be a different model. And Stuart Margolin's all, Or I just glued it back on. Tintin leaves. But when he gets home, his apartment's torn up again, and John Polito gets shot on his porch. But as he dies, he points to a bunch of letters on a newspaper headline in his blood. And Tintin and two Siamese cops slash medical examiners are all, ah, he was spelling out a clue, instead of just whispering it. Balabushka, wasn't that the name of the cue stick and Color of Money? And Tintin scratches his chin and goes, hmm, I wonder if... But then some guys knock him unconscious and put him in a crate, put him on board a ship called the Balabushka, and so now he gets inside too and joins him by using CG physics. So he tricks his captors by somehow making champagne corks pop out of bottles that are there for some reason, like bullets, while he uses a rope made out of champagne corks to grapple his way up to Captain Haddock's cell on the poop deck. And Captain Haddock's all, wow, why did they just kill you? And Snowy barks, and they escape in a lifeboat. But the ship rams it, but they trick it by being in another lifeboat. It's <laughs> drifting nearby there. Uh, then the captain gets drunk and sets fire to the lifeboat and gives them both brain damage with an oar while he rows in a random direction. But luckily, the fire only capsizes the lifeboat instead of burning it. Stuart Margolin sends a seaplane to strafe him to death with machine guns, but Tintin tricks it by shooting a hole in the wing with his last bullet, which makes the engine sputter, and the seaplane land nearby gently. And the plane works fine now, and the bad guys have been subdued with stern looks. And Tintin starts the somehow-fixed plane up and takes off, and Snowy barks, and the subtitle reads, Are we sure Spielberg didn't direct Jaws the Revenge? Speaking of seaplanes... <laughs> I know Tom hates Jaws jokes, so...
1: Uh, I haven't so seen they, Jaws the Revenge, so I didn't get that one.
0: Don't, no one's buying a word about <laughs> it's it. It's true! You, uh, we'll discuss this in a different podcast. <laughs> uh, so they crash land in Africa, and the propeller almost cuts off Tintin's head... But Captain Haddock saves him by not being drunk all of a sudden. But since they're out of water and in a desert, he hallucinates, sees his own ancestor in a pirate ship, sword-fighting Stuart Margolin, and the foreign legion find them in RL. On sobering up, Captain Haddock is calm and at peace, so snowy force feeds him a beaker of medical-grade turpentine, which sends him into convulsions, swinging swords around, almost killing everybody. But it turns into another flashback, and the foreign legion guys wander off. Meanwhile, the third model ship is for some reason in an inch-thick microscope slide of bulletproof glass that a sheet keeps on display outside on an aqueduct in a town square, even though the glass isn't theft or weatherproof, and Stuart Margolin tricks him by banging an opera singer who looks like Mae West, and her rendition of the body snatcher's howl makes Michael Fassbender tear up at his table, but also shatters the bulletproof glass enabling Stuart Margolin's owl to pluck the third riddle from the model and fly it to the balabushka, where Tintin at first tricks Stuart Margolin by sliding around on stuff and flooding the city and drowning millions, while a tank with a hotel on it, at which the two Siamese cops, who are also Interpol agents and pickpocket enthusiasts, are staying on holiday, chases them all over Baghdad. Stuart Margolin counter-tricks Tintin by drowning the captain and the dog and sailing back to Belgium. Tintin saves the captain and Snowy by diving underwater, and Spielberg Jump cutting to later where they're sitting on the beach, and Captain Haddock's all, now what, Tintin? And Tintin's all, I give up. Let's just go home and feel sorry for ourselves. Tintin's plan works brilliantly, (laughs) culminating in an epic crane battle on the docks between Stuart Margolin and Captain Haddock that ends with Stuart Margolin being arrested and no one getting decapitated by the 80-ton girders of whipsawing metal stanchions. After the city's destroyed, a wind blows the clues into Tintin's hands, just like it blew Indy's hat to Shia LaBeouf. And he's all, hey, if you look at these clues with 3D glasses on, it says Marlingate Hall. So they go back to Stuart Margolin's house, and the butler's all, good day, sir, we've been expecting you, I was helping you all along. And Snowy barks, and the subtitle reads, You could have just said the gold was in the cellar when we showed up earlier there, Mr. Belt, dear." And Tintin's all, Hey, Captain Haddock, what's that wine of yours about knocking out cellar walls? And Captain Haddock's all, "Oh, uh, if it's a wine cellar and there's wine on the other side, sure. But kablooey, Tintin's already dynamited the house, exposing another cellar with a chimney and demons and Katie Holmes. And a globe lands on his lap, and he hits a button, and Snowy explodes in a geyser of CG and a hat, With some zirconia and Canadian coinage lands on his face. And Captain Haddock's all, yay, a tiny billionth of my long-lost family treasure. Gee, I wonder what I'll spend it on. Hint, rhymes with palcohol. Thanks, Tintin. I'd offer you a cut of the proceeds, but I know you're more about the thrill of the chase and writing a human interest story about it in a local tabloid. And Tintin holds up another cylinder and goes, Hey, look, this was inside the butler's skull. And he unrolls it and reads it aloud. Dear audience, if you want a sequel to this, you're probably Belgian.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Kelly Wan, for that uh, Tintinopsis. Didn't have time to make it good.
0: That takes a whole other day. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like the cake with just flour on it. <laughs> All right, but well, maybe that's appropriate to, you know, the movie.
1: Where's the icing? Uh, dingus. That's this part. Now we're going to go icing. I see. That was the icing. Good. You get I to w- be part of the icing this time.
2: <laughs> he is. He's the icing because he's our um, our original story expert.
1: Yeah, right. Kelly Wand, as a reader of Hergé's comics, you love the comics. Oh, yeah. How does this hold up to the comics? it's just like it from what i've read
0: um <laughs> Tintin doesn't i don't not really sure i get the character to be honest like i think the story is that spielberg was told after he made raiders of the lost ark that it was a lot like the Tintin comics and then he got into them and read them and then became obsessed with making this movie for 20 years and now that it's out i feel like raiders kind of made this better I don't know. Like, I liked Captain Haddock, but it made me wish this had been a pirate movie instead.
1: Well, you've got one coming from those Wallace and Gromit guys.
0: Uh, I don't want one from them,
1: though. Okay. I uh, I was keenly aware that this was from the director of uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so I can see the connections. (laughs) Uh, Dingus, did you take a child to this by any chance? Uh, Yes, I did, my own. Ah, good. Let's have a child's review. What What did your son think of this Ten Ten nonsense?
2: Um, he He also saw Chipwrecked, and he liked them both the same. Oh, Ouch. Wow. Ouch! Ooh! I
0: like it? Well, he's being honest. That kid. That's the target audience, so we can learn from them. <laughs>
1: I guess that was what I was keenly aware of as I was watching it. Is oh, This is for kids. What am I doing here? <laughs> this is awful. Uh, so, so Dingus, uh, he liked them equally. That doesn't. I have no idea if Chipwrecked is any good, though. So uh, how much did he like
2: Chipwrecked? He went to see it with a bunch of his friends, and he liked it fine. And he liked this fine, too. I mean, he sat through so many trailers. I think at the end of the Red Tails trailers, he just turned to his mom and said, I just want to see Tintin. I don't want to see this. And um, finally, Tintin started, and he was into it. You know, he was scared at some parts, and he liked it, but um, I think the adults who took him, maybe his grandfather liked it, but the adults were pretty bored.
0: I liked parts of it, but the parts, something that sums up why it's not good is at the end, there's this awesome crane battle between the villain and a subsidiary character that the movie's not titled after, and then at the end, Tintin just shows up. He swoops mm-hmm. down. Like a Deus Ex Machina on another crane and just plucks the paperwork out of the guy's hand. Like you don't know how he's even gotten there. It's like uh, what was that? The Losers where the sniper just happens to be you find out after he shot someone at the end. Oh yeah, a...
2: you know, actually now that you bring That's that up, six. he my my son at that moment did just feel like making a joke rather than being engrossed in the action, and he turned to his mom and said, Hey mom, it's the clash of the cranes. <laughs>
1: That title I would have liked better. <laughs> so he was mocking the
0: movie. He, he just... All right, he's, Cranes, whatever. He's got that, that kind of
2: goofy sense of humor. You know, he's, he just turned seven, and so he thought Clash of the Cranes was funny, and, uh, but he was not engrossed enough in the actual scene to not say that, so maybe that says something. But afterward, he said he liked it. He didn't it. care who had the map by that time
1: uh did he care about tintin as a character cuz i have a hard time but why, who is this character for And it's What's, like kelly wanted to say and i don't he's optional he doesn't do anything really it's and milk toast he's milk toast like he's a terrible hero i thought i don't get it yeah I'm, so did I, did your son did your son like hey favorite. tintin's cool i want to be like tintin uh, no i think he likes Snowy. I, guess, I like yeah. Snowy,
0: too, and I kind of would have, if Tintin had gotten killed off and had just been Snowy and Captain Haddock, I think it would have been kind of awesome.
2: You know, Tintin shoots down a plane. I mean, how dare you? With one bullet, too.
0: Yeah. And then the plane, for fine. I mean, he has a good line. He's like, he, bad news, one bullet. Good news, one bullet. Yeah, yeah. see, that's a I great like line. Him. Yeah, but then so, it works. It's just no, I don't. It's not. It's a, it seems to have a lot of things handed to him, and that whole thing in Dubai, which I was this movie in three D by the way, because I couldn't tell while I was watching it. I had the glasses. It was
2: it was it was in three D. I didn't see it that way because nobody I was with wanted to, including me. Mm-hmm. But it was. Yeah.
1: There were there by were a if... few gratuitous cane thrusts that I'm sure looked awesome in three D. By who? The cops? No, the uh, the cane wielding villain. There were a few times, like one where he puts the cane across Tintin's chest and it thrusts at the camera, and another where he's pointing it. Uh, yeah, there were a few 3D cane thrusts. Uh, hey, the cane becomes a sword at one point. Yeah, that wasn't a 3D part, though, I don't think. Oh, that's that shame. was a 2D. Uh, was but just... yeah, I, I did not see it. I'm uh, I'm so over 3D. I'm tired of seeing things as if the projector has a, a 60-watt bulb installed. So I just saw it flat out. Uh, and we just
0: saw IMAX movie that was awesome-looking and bright. Yeah, it's like it just reminds you how much better IMAX is than 3D.
2: Well, Tom, you're not going to be able to see any more of Vin Vendor's films. What? Why? Did he die? No, he's only going to make movies in 3D oh. from now on. <laughs>
1: We'll uh, see if they stick to that. That's actually worse news than him dying. <laughs> that's sad. Uh, well, no, I will go to some 3D movies. I just if I can avoid it, like with Ten Ten, I didn't see it in 3D. Uh, I want to see Hugo in 3D. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't. I feel strongly about this. You do not want to see Hugo in I don't 2 di trust 3D. you. That's why, okay, go break. ahead. No, have fun. See, see, here really? Love it. Yeah. Mm. Be sure to bring a book. Be sure to bring a book to read between the, the in, during the pauses between lines. Jules Verne <laughs> one. Are you? What about the artist? Uh, we'll discuss a lot of these later. The, but you see the artist. Okay. Yeah, the artist is very good. Dingus would say, "Don't see the artist." I would say, "Do see the artist." I don't
0: trust Dingus. He didn't like Tinker Taylor.
1: Here's one. He's don't good. see uh, the darkest hour uh that has i i think that has more dumb things in it than tin tin you say things are
0: dumb and then i go no no this 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 and this and you go yeah all right mcgruber's great Uh, all right and centipede 2 has its moments
1: okay here's the deal in darkest hour uh can we take a brief darkest hour uh excursion come with me uh, well, i tell you briefly about.
0: Tintin has an excursion in the pirate ship, so this will be. You're the Captain Haddock character. Pretend, today.
1: exactly. Pretend you've just right. given me a lot of whiskey and I'm miming right. this in an action okay. scene. Sp- I'm going to shut the Foreign That's Legion air. So, Darkest Hour, of course, the aliens are invisible, and Emil Hirsch, uh, being. By the way, the two leads in Darkest Hour, Emil Hirsch and Max Minghella, bigger douchebags than the leads in Skyline as far as like who you're going to have along with you for your alien invasion. These guys are awful. They're, they, uh, don't, they don't die. They're software developers. One of them does die, which is actually kind of cool. They, they kill Max Mingella, thank God. Uh, but so these aliens, they're, they're invisible, Sorry. of course, and, and Emil Hirsch uh, promptly figures out while they're hiding in a mall, and the aliens are coming, and they're out getting clothing, to, they have to change clothes, because they were at a nightclub when the invasion oh, happened, Jesus, and they've, they've hidden awesome. for a week. They finally come out. They decide to, to travel at night, and they're, in a, they're, they're getting clothes. And Emile Hirsch was just spying on Olivia Thurlby changing her clothes when oh, along no. comes <laughs> an alien <laughs> and, and interrupts his, his little people. How far does she get before he gets killed? by? She takes her shirt off, but she's still be broad. I think you you call it from uh, behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, she turns around. I mean, she, no, There's a little. There's a little cheesecake. A little Olivia Thurlby cheesecake. This is a trick. It's it's a trick, man. Well, because is here's it? what happens. Then along come the aliens and Emil Hirsch, who's been standing in the window of another store spying a, on Olivia Thurlby, He freezes next to a mannequin, so oh, that the alien goes oh, by. <laughs> but here's the I thing. Hate it. Here's I the hate thing. that. The alien doesn't see him, not because he's pretending to be a mannequin, but because the aliens can't see through glass. They only sense... What? They, they sense, can't see through a transparent material. No, because they <laughs> see they see bioelectric energy, not light waves. Which he also has. Which he, he, he uh, realizes... is dumb. They don't see it through glass, though. For whatever reason, the bioelectric... they uh, their lead. Yeah, the bio... LED? Glass.
0: So- this, they Oh that's such a stupid idea. So
1: here's what happens though. they they figure out that when the aliens are around things it causes electrical interference because the aliens EMP bomb the world and everything's you know all electrical appliances don't work until an alien gets near it. So their way of knowing that invisible aliens are around this is uh, another thing that Emil Hirsch figures out is they wear light bulbs around their necks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not plugged in anything.
1: For example
0: Chester <laughs> a character. Nope, not plugged into anything. <laughs> Wait, what the hell would that do? The okay, light wouldn't work. It works. It works. Kelly Wanda's, goes. Uh, all right, it gets it's bright.
1: It's the darkest hour, and you'll like find, Sting and Lord of the Rings, but science. It makes exactly. It makes the filament in the light go off, and uh, because yeah, uh, what a genius. So there's another point where uh, they run into the wacky inventor who sh- gives them a microwave gun they can use to shoot the the aliens with, and the wacky inventor has a cat, and the cat is wrapped in Christmas lights. To, Why? to protect it <laughs> so, that, so that if an alien gets near lights. the cat the Christmas lights will light up uh, so uh,
0: it, that doesn't make the cat like electrocuted or he's hard it's now hard for him to walk around because he's got fucking lights all over him it,
1: it, the cat is amazingly tranquil yeah. he's a big fat orange cat he's adorable however he gets burned to death when the, the apartment is <laughs> wearing of lights right, right. Uh, well they have to blow up the apartment when the aliens get in the apartment has to- Cat
0: gives his life lighting the fuse
1: right the part, no, you don't actually see. I think they forgot to tell you what happened to the cat. Uh, the, the apartment, which is protected by a Faraday cage, so the alien can't see into it. Uh, the aliens get into it anyway because the dumb blonde chick leaves the door unlocked. Uh, yeah. And then and, and you, so they, the, Olivia so. Thurlby has to... She uh, brunette. The, the brunette smashes an axe into their little fuel store and then lights it on fire uh, and blows up the aliens. And, we've, and they forget to explain, hey, the cat's in there. So I think the cat dies. By the way, yeah. They later well, have no, some no. Russian resistance fighters and the Russian resistance fighters who have an armored horse, by the way, that they're <laughs> using. Uh the horse has got like just like tin cans like bolted to it instead of like hanging from it to protect it that's, from whatever. That's yeah. not a light bulb. This I, the rules keep <laughs> they may keep moving the goalposts
0: on this stupid idea.
1: Well here's what these Russian resistance fighters do when they have to sort of go out, sortie out into the field, they throw cell phones around. So they they drop them on the ground and they move forward and they throw them in front of them and you realize that's because when an alien gets near the cell phone it will ring.
0: Oh. <laughs> you see, uh, there's one. Why why I just f- throw batteries at them. <laughs> Well, these batteries don't make a noise. What about TVs? Would they turn on and show the news (laughs)
1: crawls that you would watch? (laughs) Uh, At one point, point they come upon a truck which has some some fluid seeping out of these tanks on the back of it. And one of the Russians runs up to the truck. He puts his hand, cups his hand under the fluid and drinks it and then announces it's water. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, uh, uh. well that's it's, the russian way Chernobyl, they use
1: there. that to uh electrocute the uh some of the aliens uh
0: what that guy's brain
1: the water <laughs> they then they then <laughs> spill water, water everywhere like, and the yeah uh so the normally uh, in a movie it, like this you have to get to the chopper at
0: the end so right? water and glass they're basically allergic to everything on earth except. uh they're not allergic Allergy to cell phones batteries <laughs> like the movie water <laughs> Electricity. Movie yeah.
1: yeah. Emil Hirsch. Olivia Thirlby. Cats. So normally in a movie like this, you have to get to the chopper, right, to, to evacuate the ruined city. Uh, however, here, instead of a chopper, they have to get to the nuclear submarine. There's a transmission <laughs> of a nuclear submarine saying, we will pick you up at this place by this time if you're a survivor. Now, I don't know if you guys realize, this movie takes place in Moscow. <laughs> Now, if you uh, look at a map, yeah. Moscow is—and I checked this—four hundred this miles from the nearest coast. That's as, as the crow flies. It is huh. a, a submarine, apparently. Moscow, four hundred miles up a river to Moscow, a, nuclear, a Russian nuclear submarine uh, evacuating survivors from Moscow from the never river.
0: nuke Moscow in winter. That's what Napoleon.
1: Right. This is how it happens. Well, they get to it, and oh, they, and then there's a, when they meet the submarine, uh, something happens where the boat they're on tips over, and Olivia Thurlby goes missing several blocks inland, so they have to go rescue her. There's a chase on one of those electrical buses where, where uh, the alien jumps on the electrical bus and causes it to hurtle down the street like it's driving, so wow. they, they fight the alien. Uh, Emil Hirsch's microwave gun runs out of batteries, uh, so it's, it's, terrible stuff happens. It's so, like pulse. and at the very end, uh, Olivia Hirsch, Olivia Thorleby gets a uh, text message from her mom in a uh, USA in America saying, "Hi, honey, I'm okay. We're here at Penn Station with the other survivors. Come join us." So the nuclear submarine is taking them to Penn Station to be with the late his parents.
0: No, but it's a trick, right? It's a Skynet.
1: You know what? We will find out in Darkest Hour 2. Whoa! If her she mom can, can next- darkest her. That means that an alien standing next to her. Yeah. Tom? Well, there's something about where on this, the nuclear submarines work like a Faraday cage because they're underwater. So yeah, they can so. they can receive signals and they're hidden from the alien and whatnot. I, I don't know. They do they do say that the nuclear submarine is like a Faraday cage. You've uh, now you
2: know. used up the amount of times you can say Faraday cage yeah. on this podcast. Back.
1: Oh. What about a Dyson sphere? Is that rounder? There's no Dyson Spheres in Darkest Hour. There's only Zool. Uh, Darkest Hour, I don't know. I I hate to tell you guys this. The writer of Darkest Hour is the same writer of Ridley Scott's Prometheus movie. The guy who wrote everything I just told you about. Is doing the script for Prometheus. I hope, and you're the happy. other writer is Damon Lindelof. Well, you know what? Yeah, that no, that's. But it's. I I think Damon Lindelof is. Uh, I'm assuming is trying to like maybe punch up what this guy has submitted. His name is I, I think it's Ted Spates or something. Uh, but I think it's primarily his idea, and Damon Lindelof is uh, maybe doing a little touch up on it. I don't know.
0: Well, after the thing prequel, I now know a prequel will be a piece of shit even if Ridley Scott's name. And in the way the trailer, just like... Oh, you didn't watch the trailer.
1: I did not watch the trailer, and I... Uh, yeah, but it's... I think Ridley Scott, come on. It's the director of Robin Hood, Kelly Wand. That tells you all you need to know. The director it's a sort of Robin Hood... science fiction H- movie. Since working from a, a script by the, the writer of Darkest Hour. Uh, so, there you go. So, we know it's... we. There's not even in
0: suspense. We know it's going to be horrible.
1: That's my guess. I don't know. You know what? Maybe Damon... But
0: we're going to be there.
1: Yeah, we're going to be there. But yes. so uh, you guys missed that and instead got to see Tintin. Uh, I with you. <laughs> in which a guy burps into an airplane engine to get it to run.
0: I kind of like that. I like that part. There are
1: isolated it. things. No?
0: I really yeah, hated what, that so much. You keep, saying,
1: you keep saying there are good things in this movie, and I don't believe you. And, and if you think I like that, Captain
0: Haddock. If, if I you like Captain
1: Haddock. If you think the burping into an airplane engine is a good part, I am I think I'm now skeptical of your claim that there are good things in Tintin. 10 I like the pirate fight. Mm. Dingus, are you going to give him that one? The ship's getting tangled up at the top of the mast. That's and... kind of cool. I haven't seen that in a movie. The the thing I liked was the gunpowder fight. I mean, that was fine. I th- I thought during the gunpowder fight, why
0: didn't you just put the fuse down there more and then not tell the guy the fuse was there? And then
2: There's you know. no fuse. It's just gunpowder.
0: Well, the gunpowder fuse. Like, why
1: did he have to run all the way up to the deck? Yeah, why well, would he make such the, a long ass
0: fuse? <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> I know why the director did it, but I understand why the character was trying to. Because
2: escape. he wanted to escape.
0: Uh, yeah, right, he needed more. He can escape. If he's back down that far down, then he didn't need
1: it to be. Escape. I would say the only thing that I would say I didn't hate. Was the opera sequence as because I didn't expect what was going to be done with the soprano and the hawk? You would yeah. sort of those had been rolled off. They were kind of Chekhov's guns, you might say. They were and, and instantly they
0: instantly deployed. Like no wait,
1: right? So that would be the only thing that I I would say I didn't like. Otherwise, there's I just had there's nothing here that I, I cared for. Uh, Maybe we just
0: didn't get it because we're not we don't know the source material. You have to know the source material. It's like...
1: Uh, I do know the source... I remember as a kid... I'm sure I read them. I don't remember anything about them. I'm guessing it's because Tintin is a horrible hero. Uh, What an awful choice. But I vividly remember the covers of the Tintin books as a kid, the comics. Uh... Like, there's I'm, there's one I remember where he's in a submarine that's shaped like a shark. And then there's various ones where he's in the desert. And there's one where uh, Indians have captured him. And, uh, like, the, the covers certainly sparked my imagination. So I'm sure I got these books and read them and then promptly forgot whatever was going on. Oh, there's one where he goes to the moon. I don't know if you guys know this. Tintin, <sighs> tin-tin goes to the moon. And on the cover, Snowy is in a little uh, astronaut suit. Oh, yeah,
0: that's awesome. That I is, love Snowy that. Snowy to the He's the that worst pet owner ever.
1: Snowy Snowy could probably go on his own. I think Snowy could do we Snowy needs to break up with this Tintin guy and just be his own detective. Snowy does far more stuff. Like, is that the twist, I guess, that Tintin and Captain Haddock are clueless and Snowy has to do everything so that we the audience.
0: I'd um, like to believe it, and that's actually not a bad dynamic, except that we see Tintin like figuring shit out and like that's his thing and like picking up Papers and going, oh, the museum exhibit. Like, whatever he picks up is instantly a clue. Like, his superpower is finding clues that are right there already.
2: (laughs) Well, he's a reporter. That's what he's supposed to do. He goes to the library.
0: He's not even... Tom, you
2: don't like Wallace and Gromit, and yet you prefer... You would want Snowy to be Gromit.
1: Uh, I do like the dog in Wallace and Gromit. I like that dog quite a bit. Uh, I didn't like Snowy. Snowy seemed like one of those little annoying yipping dogs, and I... uh, He's, he's, he was dangerously close to being a, a poodle, I thought. I wasn't a huge fan of this snowy fellow. I mean, also yeah, an enabler. Yeah, so Dingus, your son was just exposed to a lot of humor about, a, about drunkenness. Uh, how do you feel about that? I don't like it. <laughs> I do wonder, how does this, like, it's odd. Like, Tintin is from the 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, I think this guy was actually writing them into the 60s. Uh, but it's from a very different time, and we had very different attitudes about alcohol. And I think like, they, there are a few times where it looks like Captain Haddock is going to kick the bottle, and he does literally at one point. Like there's this whole sobriety subtext going on in there. But that then I'm they won-
0: keep getting him back to drunk.
1: Yeah. Because uh, they eat As, him. <laughs> as an adult, I, I'm fine with that stuff being funny. But in kids' entertainment, I thought that was a little weird. Uh, because there's this whole idea too, that, that he needs alcohol to remember stuff. Uh, and I thought for a minute during the fight, he was going to have to drink alcohol to fight the, the bad guy. Like that alcohol would be his spinach. Uh, but they didn't do that. Well, you could see them clearly sort of trying to tiptoe around the alcohol jokes. I I think like they, they were there, but it was sort of like, they also wanted to make it clear to kids. Hey kids, don't drink. Uh, I think I don't know. It, it seemed weird to me. It just seemed weird and forced and awkward, and like they didn't quite know how to handle it. Uh, and so I'm not surprised to hear Dingus a little uncomfortable with his son seeing that stuff.
0: Uh, well,
2: he's only he's only within the last couple of months, and I don't know how this happened. Um, found out what the word drunk means, which is weird. It's not like we don't have alcohol in our house. I mean, I have wine with dinner every night almost, how but much? for uh, all of it. But for some reason, he just didn't know what the word drunk meant until recently, when he just kind of out of the blue asked his mom, probably because of something he was reading, and it was just weird for us to think he's six and now we have to explain what the word drunk means. And then he goes to this, and and I you know I haven't really debriefed with him to find out what he thinks of all of that 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 stuff that's going on in the movie. But Tommy, you're totally right. It's just awkward, and especially when you we're given this idea of this is bad for you, this is bad for you. And the, the sober-up thing that happens, I, w- I was hoping that I could get more of a sense from you if that and the corniness of the burping was part of the original Tintin comics at all.
1: Kelly Wand, can you shed any light on this?
0: Yeah, and they're more racist, too. But I like that stuff. as just as time capsules, and I didn't mind it in this because I just saw it as particular to that character like it's captain hat he's the one guy he can handle it karen allen home liquor and uh, raiders of the last star you know
2: that's a that's a good point i mean the the way liquor is handled in raiders with that karen allen scene and then yeah. the scene where he meets belloc i mean they're they're quick punches you know it's not it's not this thing that sort of and they're
0: relevant to the plot I mean, you could argue it's more irrelevant Raiders than even than it is here, but...
1: Well, Raiders isn't for kids, by the way. I mean, Raiders is... Right. is it totally is. No. It was no, for Raiders, kids. Raiders is palatable to kids. It's great for kids, but it's also... Raiders is, is good all-around entertainment. Like, Raiders is sure. a great movie. It's not something that's pandering to kids. Tintin, constantly, constantly, constantly pandering to kids tintin is not for adults it is stupid it is it is bad family fare because it just panders to kids with burping into airplane engines and yeah, opera i mean it's no the, tintin and raiders nothing alike except for the the genre i mean the tone is very different raiders has plenty of adult stuff the guy walking into the propeller you know the propeller in tintin oh it's he's going to slide into the propeller of the crashed plane you know that's tension and it it you know, shades his little hair, his cowlick, or, or whatever. In Raiders, the guy full on walks into the propeller, and blood splatters on on the uh, on the the wing. I, I maintain Raiders is not a kid's thing. It's great for kids, and and you know, I'm sure Dingus is looking forward to one day being able to show it to his son. But it's not a pandery kid thing, uh, and that's what ultimately I hated most about Ten Ten. Is if you're going to make family fair, by golly, and that's what Spielberg is trying to do here. Uh, if you're going to make family fair. Families deserve better. Families Ugh. deserve up Coraline, Wally, How to Train Your Dragon, Monster House, Tangled. For instance, I kept thinking of Tangled during that god awful dam sequence uh, <laughs> where the water breaks. There's a fantastic, just just all around wonderful dam sequence in Tangled, and and that right there is the baseline. If you if you want to make good family fare, there's great stuff out there. There's no reason families have to sit through this pandering dull. Tedious, unimaginative crap like Tintin.
2: Uh-huh. That, is, yeah. that is excellent. That thing about the dam entangled that that water sequence entangled. That's an excellent thing to bring up yeah. because the the dam sequence in um, Tintin is just is is set off by a recycled joke from Last Crusade. You know, where Sean Connery accidentally shoots their own plane. You know, sorry, son, I shot us. They sh- they shot us. It's the same joke. And yeah. Spielberg is constantly recycling crap for this movie. He recycles stuff within the same movie. I mean, Snowy goes through a hole in the wall at the beginning, and then he goes through a hole in the wall at the, be- at the end. Yeah. And, you know, Raiders, what happened to Spielberg? Raiders is so tight. It is such a tight he got movie. He, Luke, and- he's got Lucas's. And Tom, you're so right that families deserve something better than this. Because at, at one point, I just felt you know my wife was just getting so restless next to me, and she will sit through anything. And I said, "Are you bored?" And she goes, "Oh yeah," and she, she was bored in, yeah. in a Steven Spielberg adventure movie. What happened? It's yeah. it's easily half an hour too long, if not more.
1: Yep, yep. it's and short it, though. And I, I think it really is a matter. Like, I, I'm not willing to write off Steven Spielberg yet because I really think that War of the Worlds was great. I mean, I, that was a hint of early Spielberg. But when he does, you know, when he's pandering to his kids and his grandkids, I, I think you get stuff like this in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, that's so, an extreme example. I really think that's, this is as bad even... as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, though, Kelly Wand. I mean, I really do think these are on the same level. You, you, uh, you would you would pick – you think Tintin is, is not quite that bad or –
0: only because no, well, because King Crystal Skull uh, was so disappointing from something that we really liked, it was a little like it, it's better that's, if it hadn't happened.
1: That's a fair point. Like Tintin didn't necessarily uh, s- didn't necessarily have three awesome movies to follow up on. Crystal
0: Skull me realize, okay, I guess it, it, there'll never be another good Raiders movie. It can't but, be but, done
1: people imagine watching kingdom of a kid that indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull in a vacuum and this in a vacuum i do think they're equally as bad there's more baggage with the kingdom of the crystal skull but i i think as movies they're equally bad um um, they, they meander, they,
2: you know, think about yeah. the way Ghost Protocol goes from location to location, or the way Raiders goes from location to location, and then the way Tintin goes from location to location to its action set piece, which is just drag on, and they kind of stumble into them, and they're lazy, and yeah. lazy might be the wrong word, they're just, they're just repetitive, and yeah. I don't
1: think that those other movies are repetitive. Well, I, I, I th- yeah, there's the, re- there's the repetitiveness. I mean, I do think that there's some very lazy storytelling and just awful writing, which is extremely disappointing, because when the movie started, and I did like the credit sequence, by the way, when the movie started, uh, I responded to the, the three writers. I didn't know that Stephen Moffat was one of the writers. Now, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, I'm not a huge fan of some of their stuff. I didn't care for Attack the Block. I haven't liked Edgar Wright's last few things, but... I know Stephen Moffat's name most recently from the BBC Sherlock Holmes. Now, Stephen Moffat goes to – he does, I think, some of the Doctor Who things. I don't know any of that stuff. But I loved what he did with that BBC Sherlock Holmes. So I had some high expectations for the writing going in. And I don't, I don't know what he did or what he contributed or if there was any chain to the material. I mean, he has to. And I guess so. I guess part of it, you know, maybe the occasional decent touches, like good news one bullet or no bad news one bullet, good news one bullet. Maybe that's the kind of stuff that he brought to it that wouldn't otherwise be there. I don't know. Um, But he's been chained to material before, Sherlock Jekyll. I mean, that's
0: well. Here is the problem.
1: Here's, here's the problem that I think this has in common with, with uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They both have a terrible hero. Now, Indiana Jones, we, we know him, but I, I think Harrison Ford being just sort of like old and and really just seeming uninvolved in Kingdom of the yeah. Crystal Skull. I mean, they gave him terrible material. I think he knew it, and I think he, he just was really bored while they were shooting. He made a horrible hero in that movie, and I really do think that Tintin is a terrible hero. I mean, maybe there was another time when a young... Apple-cheeked, intrepid, intrepid reporter. Spooky. Yeah, was like inspiring, and and I kind of I was a little surprised when he took up a gun a few times. Like he seems to that. be a. Yeah, I like that too. But he never shot anyone. He shot no. at people a couple of times, but he mainly used the gun as a tool. Like I didn't think there was any as a hero. I did not see the appeal of this guy. I don't get what is. Whenever he, he did do?
0: something resourceful, it was implausible too, like the champagne corks and the. Uh...
1: Right, you don't see him figuring, I mean, you, I guess you hear him saying in his head, okay, we have champagne corks, we have, uh, I forget what else was in there, but, uh, yeah, you don't see how he's setting it up, you just get the reveal about he somehow magically he, sets it up. He he's no just going to do some crafting,
0: crafting all of a sudden. Is. Right, <laughs> right, he does a little crafting screen. Like, even Anita Jones has little quirks and stuff that make him fun and awesome. Like, well, well, the, the fact me, he is scared of snakes, but he doesn't give a shit about great snakes tanks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
2: let, me, let me ask you this. Do you, do you guys think that that any of your objections that you're voicing now, especially you, Tom, about the blandness of this hero, have anything to do with the style of the animation that they've chosen for this?
1: Oh, it yeah.
2: really yeah. bothers me, and I want to ask you guys about
1: that. And that's a whole other kettle of fish, too. I mean, yeah, I hate it, hate it, hate it. This uh Wida mocap animation stuff. It was well it is it is another kettle of fish,
2: you're right. But I'm wondering if it if it plays into your your really your dismissal and your rightful dismissal of this hero.
1: I don't think so, Dingus, because I do think it is separate because that's just as looking at it as a script and what he does before we even talk about how he looks, and even Jamie Bell just sort of doing this sort of, ah, shucks, I'm intrepid kind of acting, uh I don't think even aside from how creepy the animation was, I don't think there was much there for me Uh, because I was saving that to get into that later. And I definitely we can get into that now if you want. Okay, no, no, we can get into it
2: later. I was just wondering if the two things were together.
1: Uh, it didn 't help, and at times it even hurt how much I enjoy Andy Circus, like Andy Circus is so enthusiastic even with bad material, but I just thought that Captain Haddock guy was just creepy and weird and the, ah, the I like the, the caricature noses with the with those weird wet lifelike eyes I just everybody looked ah, weird and scary and awful. I thought uh, I like that stuff Kelly, what do you like about Captain Haddock so much
0: yeah because he 's a drunken uh, genius he's uh he's in touch with higher forces let me ask you this kelly born a- have Naples. you seen rise
2: of the planet apes yet
0: no right. why is there a pirate
2: in it no no not at all i'm just i'm just uh, curious about why you like captain haddock
1: yeah there's a there's a there's not a pirate uh but there is a bona fide andy circus performance mm-hmm. in rise of the planet of the apes
0: that'll make me it diminishes captain haddock
1: well, it's just it made me hate the animation more because it got in the way of what I know Andy Circus can do.
0: I liked lines he said like uh, when he found out they were out of alcohol at one point, and he goes to Tintin, "You don't know what that means," <laughs> like that. He said it super seriously, story? like, "No, seriously, man, you don't know what that means." <laughs> Such a deep guy, God, Captain Haddock. That guy, that guy should get his own franchise. I'm telling you. <laughs> you guys are crazy. You just do You're racist against Belgians. And I guess he's from the source material. Tom was he in the comics you read?
1: Captain Haddock you know, like is always Popeye? on the cover. It's always the cover is I think almost always Tintin, Captain Haddock, and Snowy, and all three of them. The, the cover shows him in like a different situation, and he does look like Popeye kind of. He's like a.
0: He's like Wasn't a, Popeye? Popeye was a bit player in another comic <sighs> about a boring ass town or something.
1: I did not know that. I don't know my Popeye lore. If you, I can tell you all you want to know about Beetle Bailey, though. Tell me something about Beetle Bailey. I'm <laughs> actually curious. Uh, he, he sleeps a lot. What, what war is he in, is my he, fucking question. Uh, the Korean War. He's in the Korean
0: War. I made that like up. Clash. I don't know. <laughs> is Trapper John his boss?
1: Uh, Sarge is his
0: boss. See? That I mean,
1: guy looks like the Gomer
0: Pyle Sarge, though, which confuses me even more.
1: Yep uh so but let's talk captain haddock tell you one captain haddock your favorite character in 1010 captain haddock you're, you're you're more than snowy uh snowy was a little generic
0: too it's just i am a sucker for dog characters and i respect it he seemed to have i didn't like him at first but as the movie wore on i got the sense from his expressions like how he sized up situations and I respected his choices artistically.
1: <laughs> when, when Dingus mentioned Wallace and Gromit, I just think of how expressive that little dog was. And I, Snowy, didn't have any of that. I just, I was annoyed at Snowy. But they're didn't...
0: stuck with the, the comics again. And
1: because they do it comics. So this the, is the same thing.
0: I we've had this argument before. With like you don't like comics in general because the thought balloons and the mixing of art and literature are like annoying you. Like I don't.
1: I'm not. I don't. I don't I don't care about most
0: comics. But I, one that's what I feel about musicals. Like a musical makes me go, oh, yeah, they would, they're not singing. They, they're having a knife fight. This is retarded.
1: Uh, the one touch early on I did like, though, was a nod to the comics where the guy is drawing Tintin and you see yeah, was, a picture of, of the Tintin of the comics. And I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this movie is going to be smart and it's going to have clever, cool things in it like that from time to time. And uh, that's what I have to look forward to. And then, you know, and 90 minutes later, I got Yeah. Uh, so I, and I, the, the motion capture too. I'm not sure just this whole technique of, of shooting movies. Like I guess there's, there's Polar Express, there's the, uh, uh, Beowulf movie. Uh, I forget what else has done this, but I, I kind of wish they would ditch this stuff like this motion capturing and then putting photorealistic caricatured artwork over the actors. Uh, I am not. I haven't been sold on this before, and this just—I'm done with it. I'm as done with that as I am with three D. You like King uh, Kong? Uh, King Kong was not a caricature. Like King Kong was a big old ape, uh, yeah, and it, it was—it was a real world thing. No mocap. So the process of mocap, Kelly Wand, uh, I am behind. I think that's fine. What that does is it gives performers. It, it lets you capture a performers' work, and it gives it a lifelike aspect. And an example of the technology, that motion capture technology, that works is in Monster House. Uh, I don't think either of you guys have seen Monster House. I watched it recently for Halloween. Monster House did motion capture work with the kids, and then it put caricatured faces, you know, artwork over the actors. And it didn't try to be photorealistic like Tintin. You know, it went for a more animated Pixar look, and it's the absolute right choice. It let the artists have expressive characters, it let the motion capture add realistic movement, and it didn't plunge everything into this uncanny valley where Tintin lives by putting this photorealistic sheen over the action. So the motion capture itself, I'm all for. It's the motion capture coupled with this creepy photorealistic Polar Express crap. Uh I just think this doesn't work. At all so but you were okay with that kelly wand yeah Mm -hmm. i like beowulf too i like beowulf also uh beowulf though if i if i'm not mistaken beowulf didn't do a lot of caricatured stuff did it like they didn't they didn't have the weird noses and the weird facial structures i mean they did robertson everyone look like the actors yeah yeah yeah. and i kind of like that just as a as an as a strange exercise i didn't mind it so much i guess it was
0: ray winstone's nude body
1: all right. So in Beowulf, you know what? I'll I'll give them a pass if they want to do weird experiments like Beowulf from time to time. But giving people funny li- like those those uh, detective twins, what yeah. the heck was going on with those? And why would They're you supposed stop to be me?
0: figure much more prominently in the sequel? Tom, Tom, Thompson, well,
1: Thompson. why would you even bother casting Simon Pegg and Nick Frost doing those roles? Barely
0: any lines, yeah.
1: and not even their voices. Like I I couldn't discern it was either of them. I didn't get them. Are they idiots or geniuses? I don't know. <laughs> and
0: I don't like not knowing the answer to that question. That's a sign that the movie's failed on for me. Also, I kind of liked, though, the idea that there were no women. I thought that was a weird choice. It's like something that's kind of...
1: I, I suspect that's kind of a relic of the times, a bit like... The, well, you know yeah. what? No, because you don't only really have the damsel in distress and the romantic love interest. There's a part when they're in... Uh, bagar wherever that was we're yeah. sitting next to a woman and I'm like oh there's gonna be a little love interest here he's gonna nope. you know, he's gonna talk to the yeah she nope she doesn't appear at all uh but, but i so- like that it's like he's not pandering with a love interest it's like nah, not what it it's is- about he just cares about
0: his treasure
1: in the story we, we've used the term before, like female energy on the podcast, about how what that can lend to certain movies. And sure. I don't think anything could save Tintin, but I, I you know what? I, I would have preferred A to have A plucky one. female. You know what she would have been if she'd been in the movie.
0: She would have been the plucky Tintin. Tintin was the female character. <laughs> Smart, <laughs> mastermind, paperwork one, secretary, with, who can just do any kind of stunt and never gets hurt. He never gets hurt. I don't like that.
1: Uh, Well, he's a cartoon character. Uh, He's an immortal, invulnerable. He gets he does get hurt. Are you crazy? He gets knocked out numerous times by Captain Haddock. That's another thing. It's this people constantly getting like whacked over the head and and knocked out. One guy gets knocked out with a champagne cork to the forehead. He was killed, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I also thought a problem was just from the basic storytelling perspective what was the mystery for the longest time we go through over yeah. half of the movie not even knowing what they're after or even what the mystery is there's no the setup on the in this is awful yeah. so a guy and, finds, the payoff. and the payoff of course is awful because it's, it's awful. yeah it's, it's open-ended but but the the, movie. the setup is that the guy finds a random macguffin that other people want and by chance that and then, it. but then investigates it and, and for the longest time, finds out nothing about it. You know, the typical MacGuffin thing like Hitchcock is that, oh, the, the you know, uh, Clark, or no, uh, Cary Grant has the microfilm and the bad guys want it. And he doesn't know why the bad guys are after him. So there's this everyman confusion. But it's not, you know, in Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, he goes after something. Tintin, I presume, is the kind of guy who goes after something. But we don't even know what he's going after. Uh, it's Treasure. A, yeah, it's, so, a, it's a horrible setup. Well, why are they leaving a, him alive? A,
0: they keep saying, okay, we've got to kill him.
2: That's a key to this is that the MacGuffin is a story. He's trying to find a story, which is what this movie is trying to find. That's the MacGuffin. He's trying to find the mystery. And we don't. And we, it takes him forever to find it, and that's why we're wandering around for so much of the movie.
0: But at the end, when they find out, oh, hey, there's a real treasure buried at the bottom of the ocean a long way from here. They both have these looks on their faces like, yeah, not, oh, God, now I got to get a fucking submarine and go to this place. Guys, we're going to break out of jail.
1: Probably a love interest in the sequel. So why, by the way, in uh, the, I think Tintin points out, it's the 17th century. You're at sea. Your galleon or your ship or whatever, full of what four hundred tons of gold? I forgot what they said. Uh, it sinks. Why do you record the coordinates? Like that is gone. You you do not know about submarines at this point in time. Like why is this guy bothered to note where this ship has sunk if it's lost? Like for all intents and purposes, all this gold is lost forever to this guy. And yet, the, the premise of Tintin is that he has saved the location for his ancestors, knowing that one day they will develop submarine technology to go down there and get it. Right? Did I miss something?
0: So he's <laughs> the ultimate sea captain, and the more he drinks, the more coordinates he can memorize. <laughs> okay.
1: I guess uh, I should have picked up on that. Yeah.
0: Obviously, uh, you're not Belgian
1: so kelly one then you weren't just like squirming with boredom and uh, uh like you, you were actually I entertained. No.
0: no i, I kind of wasn't but i was sort of wanting i was rooting for it like i wanted to like it Put it this way i wasn't enjoying it but i was kind of crabby
1: anyway so that maybe i'm just crabby and not in the mood for tintin right now i would predict that you would be less crabby if you hadn't had to sit through tintin and what would i have sat through a shipwrecked what about how to train your dragon <laughs> well, I know how to train a dragon. Like, have you seen that, is, Kelly Wand? Have no, you seen I didn't See Tangled, because girl's hair. You don't and, know what you're missing. You haven't seen Monster House either. I it's, bet. It's Dishner, what's that one? Monster House is what it's what movies like Ten Ten should be. I mean, there's great stuff out there for kids and families that, that even we can enjoy. I'm not, I think but I don't. Tintin's.
0: I'm not a kid, and I don't like families except
1: Dingus, <laughs> just him. But that's the thing: is you don't have to be just because. Just because you're not a kid or a family, See, you can still like where... some of these movies.
0: Why couldn't Ten Ten be like Raiders and just be a movie for everybody? And guys get shooting shot in the head. Thank go, you, oh,
1: Kelly. Wands. that's awesome exactly man. what I'm wondering. You, you've just solved the I mystery, I
0: right? <laughs> I'd have drunk Karen Allen. There wasn't the world didn't end when that happened. It's just and also too. I was noticed. I actually heard Spielberg or read somewhere He was saying, Yeah, you know, if I made Close Encounters now, I don't think I'd have him leave his family at the end." Because I wouldn't, I didn't have a family back then. But now I see that would be kind of dumb.
1: Kelly Wan, we live in a time where Martin Scorsese believes taxi drivers should have been in 3D. What can, what can I say? But does he uh, really
0: believe that, or is that just his Hugo press release? That
1: having seen very... Hugo and now being uh, and now being thoroughly convinced, he's as out of touch as Spielberg. I, I believe that he, I believe that he really believes that. Yeah. Isn't it the same movie, but he doesn't have a dog?
2: between. No, but the best parts the best parts of
1: Hugo involve a dog. That is true. That's we both hated Hugo and yeah, my observation coming you know it was just maybe Dingus came up with this, but uh we agreed that the best comic timing in Hugo Probably the best performance comes from just a a tight shot of a dog. (laughs)
0: Like the rat of The Departed? Is it the same thing? Gotcha. Very good. Hey, uh, we're never going to talk about how lame young adult is over on a podcast.
1: Uh, Maybe it's going to be on someone's end of the year list. Maybe it will be top ten, Kelly Wand, because you uh, loved it and you, you have such a special bond with Diablo Cody. Yeah, and young adults. <laughs> uh, so, Kelly Wan, would you just like to warn the listeners right now that young adult is terrible? Because I warned people about uh, Darkest Hour. So, Kelly Wan, do you, do you want to quickly tell people whether or not they should see young adult? You can
0: see it if you hate yourself. I do, but I still don't
1: recommend it. <laughs> Dingus, now it's your turn. What's something you want to dissuade listeners from seeing? Uh, can I say young adult too? Even even the, I
0: mean everybody really likes it's, it for some reason. Who did? That? I, that's what. I, that's what's annoying me. It's about a bitchy, annoying character not getting a comeuppance. And it.
2: people are talking about
0: how real it is. No, it's not. It's fucking. It's so inauthentic. It's a. Um, it's, oh. Tintin's more authentic than. Young <laughs> Diablo Cody's never written a good
1: movie. Hey, come on, J- Jennifer's body. I'd still do her, but I don't want to read her. <laughs> Uh, I, I did like what she did with Jennifer's body, uh, just as, as far as a, a basic twist uh, of all her work. That's the one you'll
0: take home with you. I like
1: Juno. I'm not. A, I'm not a Juno hater. I never got. Uh, I, I never Dino's loved the
0: it. crash of uh, independent movies. Right?
1: I never loved it as much as Dingus, but I never hated it as much as the the Juno backlash club. Uh, so if I, there's
0: I, a pregnant woman in
1: it. Dingus will support it. Well, it's ah. very chivalrous with Dingus. See, that's right. <laughs> As I'll go, no more ten ten. Uh, all right, so do we want to quickly give? T- well, no, we'll save that for next week. Uh, next week we'll be talking a lot more about the really good stuff that's out this year because uh, if the, if there the, are me. good movies that came out this year. Uh, oh. we'll, we'll each come up with ten next week, uh, but let's do a three by three for now. Kelly Wand, what in the world were you thinking? I love this topic, and you you're an idiot if you didn't. <laughs> What is this topic? Explain, us, explain to us what we're going to be talking about here.
0: Three best over-the-counter fictitious movie products, which I think I only broke twice out of the three. So I'm pretty <laughs> proud of my achievements right now.
1: Digus, do you hate this 3x3 three three as well? No, I'm fine with it. It was easy, uh-huh.
2: and I needed something easy because I was on the road this week.
1: Well, it's easy, and I can't imagine. Here's my problem with the Caliwan. What I, I can't imagine this sparking much By way of conversation, so
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) talking is boring and stupid. That's what we learned from uh, uh, Tintin, and I will learn from Hugo. All right. Well, and and we'll all learn from the artist.
1: (laughs) Let's do some boring, stupid talking, and start with Dingus, his number three choice for a fake product in a movie.
2: Um, how should I introduce this to you? Do you
1: have a quote
0: for us that are like about us, and you complain? Oh, it's to uh, it's not objective stuff about remembering stuff it's about what we like that's boring and then i do one that's what you say you want and then you go oh, no no good conversation can come of a seer
1: list uh well let's find out We'll we'll see so dingus give us give us a line from your number three choice and we'll see what kind of conversation it sparks
2: huh. yeah. the salt balance has to be just right so the best fat for making soap comes from humans
1: I don't um, remember yep. a product placement in Fight Club. Uh, no, it's, there's so wait, many. no, is it Blamo Soap or something? Or what is the name I of the well. stuff? Yeah, so Dingus, that's a Fight Club line. Am I correct? You are correct. Although you made me think, uh, there was, a, there was what was that that Ice Age Roland Emmerich movie with Dennis Quaid? Uh, oh, Day right. After Tomorrow and you're yes. still watching the movie. So uh, in that, there's a, they because you mentioned Salt, Dingus, there's a, the... There's a Dennis Quaid has an awesome line about reaching a critical desalination point. Now the, the planet has reached a critical desalination point. So for a minute, I thought maybe you're going to do a day after tomorrow reference, but uh, all right. So this is Fight Club. What is the fictional product?
2: The product is the Paper Street Soap Company soap.
1: All right, Paper Street Soap. Right, right. Named after the house where they're squatting. Exactly.
0: Paper Street Soap. I got to write this down. All right. Uh, in, and dig
1: club. Why is this your third favorite figure yeah, What makes
0: it the third best ever?
2: Um, because, uh, they make soap <laughs> and they make, right. they, they go and they get human fat and then <sighs> like take it over a fence and it makes people throw up. I just, I like when he opens his briefcase and he takes it to the Dumba Hartman store and it's a product and it's, and you know, the, the women in the, uh, the, uh, the department stores are paying $20 a bar for this thing, and who knows what they're charging. And mm-hmm. and the great thing is that we're selling the rich ladies' fat back to them.
1: Very good, Dingus. So you've now quoted Chuck Polowanek. Yeah. He's <laughs> just doing the lines to explain why, why he <laughs> likes it. Yeah. Uh, my oh. favorite thing about the soap company, uh, and I've I've tried many times. I'm still working on this. It's a best. It's one of. It was probably a runner up for a non faked physical gesture. Is when Brad Pitt opens his briefcase and does this cool little flip when he hands his card to uh, uh, Edward Norton. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's when they're on the plane, he opens it and he, he somehow produces – it's almost like a magic trick. He just crisply produces his business card out of the soap briefcase for Edward Norton. It's a great non-fake physical gesture that I've been practicing. I don't have business cards, but as soon as I get them, I'm going to learn how to do that. So there you go.
0: All yours are just hand gestures. It's always a hand with you. You know, it's- human bodies have a lot of
1: appendages and um, – <laughs> I'll try to work on some other appendage. Optimus. Uh, all right. What about a uh, phone gesture? All right, I'll learn some. You give me a movie that has one that I can mimic, and I'll see what I can come up with, Kelly Wand. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Paper Street Soap Company Soap. Indeed, a fictional product, although I wouldn't be surprised, Dingus, if someone is, like, making this on Cafe Press or something, where you
2: could actually order your own. Uh, well, one of mine actually, uh, spoiler alert, is... Um, well, never mind. Go ahead. Let's just proceed.
1: All right. So my number three choice, uh, it yeah, I'd say it's a product. It's technically a restaurant, but there's a brief bit in Idiocracy where they show how Fuddruckers, because people are really stupid, how the name of Fuddruckers progresses over the years, and they eventually just call it Buttfuckers. Uh, so that is my number three choice. Is that I'll only say it once because it involves profanity. Is that restaurant in Idiocracy? All right. Kelly, why are you going to accept that one? Uh, why well, is sh- that your third favorite, Tom? <laughs> I was just thinking of product pl- fake products in movies, and I came up with three of them and just arranged them in order. <laughs> it sounds
0: like you spent about two seconds on this list, and you just picked. Uh, you were watching it actually in the background at the time in between your Green Hornet news crawl
1: replays. <laughs> uh, you know what? I could have picked Brondo, but I didn't think I, I loved Brondo. I loved the bit about electrolytes. Like I, I love Idiocracy. Idiocracy is great, but uh, I got the biggest laugh out of the Effers uh, little joke. I thought that was a, a far better joke, so that's why I didn't pick Brondos. Uh, they have great Carls Junior. Those are real though. There's like
0: yeah, I almost found the Carls Junior one
1: too, just because of the logo, the slogan. Right. I, I <laughs> heard, right, The I love the uh, I Welcome to Costco. I love you. The little greeter thing they yeah. have. I didn't get the
0: Starbucks is, is handjobs joke. Like I didn't. That was lost on me. I didn't understand that joke.
2: Men's lattes. Uh, I don't. I don't. Well, I want to thank both of you for ruining my number one, which was indeed Brondo. I appreciate the both of you for doing that.
1: Oh, Brian Okay, not not BFers.
2: Nope, not BFers because Kelly Wand was clear that it was an over-the-counter product, and a restaurant is not something you can buy over the counter, as far as I know.
1: It is a product, though. And, it's not, and it is not limited by prescription, by a doctor's prescription. <laughs> Ergo, it is available over the counter, and it is a product. So, what I, what I actually first
2: thought of, and I couldn't narrow this down, and I didn't get a chance to watch Idiocracy this week, is that I thought there was a product that um, Dax Shepard is using when he's watching the Masturbation Network that was like a masturbation thing that like some product that you eat and you also masturbate with but that might have been the just been a, thing? a fantasy i had the, that tub uh, of stuff he's eating it seemed like there was something that you also use for masturbation but i don't think so so i just uh, in cruising around I, I found the the bron a couple of brondo right. and the and the brondo scene you know when he's in the in the in the field and he says they're they're watering the crops with a sports drink <laughs> um and i just i mean I, and the 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 thing is that sadly uh, fox while not wanting to uh, promote the movie at least wanted to make a sports drink so brando actually became an actual product eventually
1: after um, idiocracy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what? Awesome.
2: so so that's uh, you know that's why it's my number one because it affected the culture and also ah. because it's it's just hilarious that whole thing where where he's talking to the the people in the 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 cabinet members about what you know about electrolytes, what are electrolytes and they're in that's what plants crave I mean I love that i just i i I spent so much trying to find the exact thing I was looking for. I wasted a couple of hours looking at clips from idiocracy.
1: Yeah, and Idiocracy works fine like that, by the way. <laughs> <can> yeah. Just... <laughs> uh, Luke, Luke Wilson is such a great everyman also. Like, just putting him smack dab in the middle of just a bunch of wackos is... Uh, I think that's a surefire uh, recipe for success.
0: Owen Wilson, act, his character is more like he already lives in Idiocracy. And Luke Wilson is his physique.
1: Owen Wilson is in Idiocracy?
0: No, I'm saying he's if... He's like the Wilson brother who grew up naturally in the Idiocracy. Antioch- like
1: he's, he's
0: the slow witted one.
1: Owen Wilson is a great Woody Allen stand in in Midnight in Paris. Really? Uh, yeah, he definitely has a knack for a part Woody Allen obviously wrote for himself. I mean, most of I think Woody Allen tends to put himself in his material. Uh, Wasn't Kenneth Branagh in? There was one. I didn't yeah. see it, but there was one where Kenneth Branagh stood in for Woody Allen, and it was awful. I think there was even a Will Ferrell stand-in for Woody Jason Allen. Jason uh, Oh, God, wow. But oh, I, mean,
0: okay. I didn't see the Larry David one.
2: Kenneth Branagh oh. was in The Celebrity, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. And wasn't he like the, the part that Woody Allen writes for himself? I haven't Definitely. seen
2: it. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, did he do well, Dingus, as a Woody Allen? It just feels like you're watching
2: Kenneth Branagh do Woody Allen.
1: Well, I think watching Owen Wilson do Woody Allen feels far more natural than even Larry David. That Larry David one was just wretched. Uh, but uh, I like. Was w- it so wretched you watched it twice? No, it was so wretched I watched it once. Why would I do that, Kelly Wand? Because um, you watch a lot of dumb shit <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> I, do. I, do. I, do. I no I watch I, I don't will smoke pot. I, I will give any dumb movie one viewing that's all you get from me if you're dumb one viewing for a lifetime Yes for a lifetime I will not wa- You know what that's not true Holy cats I just watched uh How many pictures. times you seen the car That's not dumb Oh you know what No uh, The car is not dumb mm-hmm. No the car is a is a remake of Jaws so it can't be dumb Uh I see. I do take that back because for some reason I uh, got it in my head to rewatch Pitch Black recently. Nah, <laughs> I because when Pitch Black came out, I didn't like it, but you know there've been all these Riddick games, and I was like, you know, I should go back and watch. it. And plus, Vin Diesel in in the Fast Five movies, I'm like, I'm going to watch Pitch Black again. Pitch Black is awful. Oh my god! Yeah, you know what so sucks careful. about it? It's one of those movies where they set up the situation, and
0: then you go, wait, they would all just have been died. They would have been yeah. killed right there. Yeah, they would have just been
1: clawed to death well it's they one of those things like, like hey yeah. survive. you introduce an extremely lethal high stakes right stuff. you go oh it's-
0: they're screwed how are they ever going to get out of it and then and, and be you just
1: subvert cheap. right exactly yeah. so I'm hoping Joe Carnahan doesn't do that in this movie that opens next month called Gray, The Grey which I'm looking forward to because it's Joe Carnahan uh, do you guys know about this movie okay. oh it's got a cool poster it's got a cool poster. It's Liam Neeson in a kind of a pitch black kind of situation. That's all I'll say. Uh, where you know he's in he's in danger, and hopefully they're uh, they're not going to just subvert it. But yeah, pitch black. You're right, Kelly Wand. Sometimes I watch stupid things twice because I forget they're stupid. Well, and then everyone says how
0: great it was and how dumb you are for not seeing how amazing. Transformers: Dark
1: Side of the Moon was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that one once, though. That's listening. how dumb that one is. Yeah. Oh. All right, so Kelly Wand, my number three pick, and Dings's number one pick is Idiocracy. Did it show up on your list?
0: Yeah, but I don't know if mine. You guys will allow
1: it, even though I'm the list maker. You, so you're, so you're the one. You're the final it. arbiter. Yeah, you're oh, the. T- okay, so where on your list was Idiocracy?
0: My favorite thing in Idiocracy is. Um, the hospital prescription thing that has a little iconography for all the different diseases you have.
1: Is that over-the-counter, or did that require a doctor's prescription? Well, she had to
0: buy it from a medical supply store, I figured, at some point.
1: And what was and that called?
0: The hospital prescription thing.
1: <laughs> okay. And where, what, num- what number is that on your list?
0: Three. All right. So that's me. See, take that. You didn't think good conversation could come of this topic.
1: Fortunately, I brought up about- Fortunately, I brought up Pitch Black, so there you go. How does that
2: fulfill any of your
1: requirements? What? what were the requirements? Kelly,
2: you're, you're, it's, it's an over-the-counter fictional product, and you're calling yeah. it the hospital prescription thingy. Yeah. How does that fulfill any of your requirements, Kelly?
1: Dingus, 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 I think your problem here is you're expecting Kelly to actually do the three by three. I'm sorry, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> That's the like t- two. That's like expecting Tin Tin not to suck, Dingus.
0: <laughs> uh, da- <laughs> don't say the a- other suck. <laughs> Uh
1: don't say the other two, Kellywan. We'll get to you in just a minute. What? But first, sorry. Dingus, what is your number two choice for I was
0: gonna put Brondo, but we don't we don't it doesn't um we don't get to know much about it. Like it's, it's got electrolytes. What more do you want? Yeah, I know. You're right. But does it taste <laughs> like lime? I really, gave, I really gave a shit about that. Maybe it really
1: would work. Like, maybe it's the vegetables. Maybe the flaws. Never mind. All right, <laughs> right Diggs. What is your number two choice for a favorite fake product in a movie that is available over the counter?
2: All right, I'll give you guys a quote from it. Awesome. Hmm. Fruity, fruity odie bars make a man out of a mouse. <laughs>
1: what? What? <laughs>
0: Fruity, fruity, Odie bars make a man
1: out of a man. would you please say that with an Australian accent? No, Kelly's
2: Googling it. We'll get it. Fruity, Odie bars make you bust out of your blouse. Well Eat them all the time.
1: Let them blow your mind. This sounds like a Willy Wonka thing.
0: They didn't have blouse-removing candy back in the 70s. That took, like, another 10
1: years. I don't know this, Dingus, which, by the way, I hope I didn't screw up anyone's list with what I just said. Uh, dingus, yeah, I don't know. Before Kelly Wan Googles it, why don't you tell us what it's from?
2: All right, it's when Malcolm and Jane go to the Maidenhead for a meeting, and River also goes and sees the commercial for Fruity Odie Bars playing on a screen, and the Alliance has used their commercial to transmit subliminal messages to River, and they thereby they trigger her. Uh, oh, it, uh, I'm sorry.
0: Siren. Uh-huh. Tom's out in the cold. But By the way, Dangus, did you notice how people flame Tom for talking shit about Firefly and Serenity? That's, That's, That's why I, bring I
1: it up. When have I said that?
0: You do, you do. You hate Nathan Fillion.
1: No, it's I fine. Such I such love such Nathan shit. Fillion. I love sci-fi. <laughs> Serenity, if you like a made-for-TV-level sci-fi movie, I heartily recommend the Serenity movie.
0: It is definitely
1: kind of that. But the show's good. Uh, I, I would not know because I don't do TV. What do you think of that? Uh, mm. So, Dingus, what are these Odie bars that make people's blouses come off?
2: <laughs> um, really, it's a commercial for this little food product. called Fruity Odie Bars. And, um... It's this great, uh, you know, they, the Alliance uses this commercial to send subliminal messages to River and they set her off so that she does all this violence. Ah. And it's it's this great, this really cool weird, super weird commercial. And I remembered it because in um, in the uh, frame thread in the 2020 frame, frame thread many months ago, somebody posted a tw- uh, the, uh, the 20 from this film. And it's and it is that it's this weird octopus this animated octopus picture and you look at it and you're like what is that and it's the commercial for Fruity Odi bars and um i just love that weird commercial and that it's it plays into the uh the plot because it sends a subliminal message to river
1: dingus is it a riff on japanese commercials which are notoriously kind of weird and goofy do you know
2: um yeah it, it actually and i think i've heard Joss Whedon talk about this um it actually owes a lot to uh, an old Simpsons bit, which is like the Mister Sparkle commercial, and and so he's. He, I think that probably inspired him, Mister okay. Spock. And then and then it, and then when he was making it, he just kept telling them, "Make it more Japanese, make it more weird, make it more Japanese."
1: Kelly Wand, how, do you know this commercial he's talking about, Kelly Wand? No, I don't watch movies. Mister Spock uh, said that. Did, did Dingus' description remind you, maybe, of a little movie called Halloween 3?
0: Oh, yeah, Silver Shamrock.
1: So there you go. Did No, I... but it didn't. Okay. <laughs> well, Halloween 3 has subliminal power commercials and a fake product uh, as well. But, I, you know what, I again, maybe I screwed up someone's list. Sorry. I'll save that for runners-up. Uh, all right, so uh, Serenity is Dingus' number two, the uh, made-for-TV sci-fi movie that had a theatrical release very good it's like the opposite of (laughs) direct-to-video i'm gonna give you guys a line for my number two choice you ready it'll give it away i think here we go hold on i need a moment well i don't want fop god damn it i'm a dapper dan man Uh, (laughs) why are you going oh yeah yeah that's a great one you don't like that one that's a real product fool Dapper Dan? No, it's not. (laughs) If you see something in a Coen Brothers movie that they claim is real, odds are it's not real. Mm. Dapper Dan is a real thing? I don't think it is. Watch your mouth, mister. George Clooney's real. (laughs) Very good. Uh, In that case, I'm picking Fop. Uh, I didn't remember this, but I love that. uh, I remember that he has this pomade, which I don't don't know what pomade is. It's like hair grease or something. Uh, And George Clooney's character in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou... Uh, goes into a store to buy some pomade called Dapper Dan Pomade. And the store doesn't carry it, but they do carry FOP. <laughs> I, I love that that's the alternative. In this uh, this take on, what is it, 20s America, uh, the Cohen brothers imagine that the two competing hair products are called FOP and Dapper Dan.
2: <laughs> Dapper Dan isn't real.
1: I don't think it is real either, Kelly Wand.
2: Uh, it, it does provide another beautiful frame,
1: though the, yes. the frame of that little uh,
2: that tin when it's on the ground, beautiful.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, and yeah, exactly. They call back to it. So that's my number two, Kelly Wand. Are you going to allow that one? Mm. You sound you sounded very unimpressed with it. You think you, you didn't like that one? Well, isn't it just the same as any other pomade? I don't know. I don't use a lot of pomade, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Uh, I just like the sound of I don't want fop, goddammit, I'm a Dapper Dan man. It's just one of those great Coen Brothers lines that uh, I think we should quote as often as lines from Big Lebowski. Wait, start-
0: so your favorite's fop or Dapper Dan?
1: I think they're equally amusing.
0: Oh, so any pomade? Well,
1: you scared me when you said Dapper Dan was real. I didn't think it was, so I was going to fall. If it's real, I'm falling back to FOP. If it's not real, then I'm sticking with uh, Dapper Dan. Hmm. So, so, Tom,
2: what does he do when he can't get Dapper Dan at this store?
1: I'll have a dozen hair nets. Ah, oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I that's I I think that's George Clooney's best performance. It's, I I just love him in that. Uh, Anyone, Someone down this podcast name a better George Clooney performance than No oh Brother Where Art Thou. Go. Uh, the Ides of March. <laughs> nice try. I'm sorry. Brotherheads. You... Don't know what Revenge that is. Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. Ah, right. That's very good. Very good, Kelly Wand. That's certainly an earlier George Clooney performance. I'll grant you that. Uh, Brady sequel. Dingus, I want to present this to you in all seriousness. Is George Clooney better in The Descendants or in No oh Brother Where Art Thou?
2: God, I didn't want to get into this conversation.
1: I mean, I'm just—I, I—you and I disagree about the Descendants. I'm just curious where you would fall on that.
2: Well, here's—I had, a, oh God, uh, I had a, a bad experience watching the Descendants this week because um,
0: what I'm, again?
2: <laughs> I'm visiting watch my that how
0: many fucking times? Now? I'm
2: visiting my in-laws, and so I've got a stack of movies that they can watch, and they won't—they selected that one. And they've got a brand new Blu-ray player and a brand new beautiful HD TV. And um, what I didn't know until my brother-in-law told me this is that you can set a TV or a Blu-ray player to to show like um, in like a cinematic type of way instead of in a TV way. And if you watch a movie in the wrong way, it just looks like a f- sort of a Travel Channel hd kind of experience it looks very tv and um so the awful experience was watching it with this group of people and them all going this looks like a tv show <laughs> <laughs> and remembering what you guys were constantly saying i just i just sat there cringing on the couch the whole time like ah oh, goddamn, tom and kelly were right <laughs> so but just it,
1: about it was just a matter of a, of a technical setting on the tv set right
2: yeah yeah well I didn't okay. know that I thought this is what HD looks like I don't want HD I mean it looks it just looks so so hyper realistic in TV e like okay. a travel like a HD travel <laughs> channel kind of a thing and and you can set it to a cinematic mode um, which I didn't know and, and it hadn't been done. So we're just watching it this way and everybody's complaining about it. And, it. and it's not until the end of The Descendants when when George Clooney has a really emotional scene that the movie really caught everybody and they went, oh, okay, now we get it. And I don't remember having watched it, in spite of what you guys said about it being very tv to you two, uh, it looking like it. I mean, it looked like a movie to me when we watched it. Um, so... Uh, so I think you're right that, that, uh, Oh Brother Were Out There it was a far more free performance and, and that's, I think, a better performance for him. But I loved him in Descendants. We
1: well, you know what Dingus said. The, the way I present the question is a little unfair because he's he's certainly willing to take challenging material. And you know, the material in Oh Brother We're Out There is just so madcap and free, and it just gives him so much room to be crazy and goofy and uninhibited. And uh, it's a very different kind of performance, and it's it's unique for him. He doesn't do that stuff a lot, it seems. So it's fla- You know, what, it's flashier, and I. Always try to resist giving more recognition to a flashy performance than a good heartfelt performance. So, you know, it's an apples and oranges thing. Uh, so, fair enough. Uh, Kelly Wan, did you know about this cinematic setting on TV sets?
0: Uh, wait, what's a
1: TV set? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's my number two. I don't want fop, God damn it, I'm a Dapper Dan man. Uh, Kelly so Wan. Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan. I'm going with Dapper Dan. I don't think that's a real thing, Kelly Wand. Uh
2: I'm in suspense if you if Tom gets to curse
1: for his number one, you know what I've been doing a lot of cussing. I apologize for that
0: yeah, I'm really offended right now
1: you know <laughs> what i will I will curse for my number one i have a i have a this I, is a
0: tin tin podcast I know this is family's listening grandfather he's probably listening to his grandkids around the Waltons radio right now,
1: but I do have something I want to say about my number one that's going to involve very unbecoming language, so I apologize in advance for that uh Kelly Wand, tell us what your number two favorite fake product that's over-the-counter is in a movie?
0: Uh Oh, yeah, that thing in RoboCop where uh, if a guy tries to steal your car, it electrocutes him, and then you just push his body out into the parking structure and drive off.
1: And what was that called? Magnavolt. Oh, is that true? Very good. So Paul Verhoeven did like a fake commercial for it, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he?
0: I've actually installed my own homemade version of it in my car but no one breaks into it. It's a 79 Volvo. And with no uh tires.
1: Uh Kelly Wand is ED209 an over the product uh over the counter product.
0: Is that that one with Matty McConaughey, as the reality star?
1: <laughs> uh all right, Magnavolt from RoboCop 1. Kelly one, have you rewatched that recently?
0: Yeah, I watched uh, all 3 RoboCop movies in preparation for the podcast and the four Terminator movies just in case those had commercials in them.
1: Well, I asked because that was one where I was surprised at how well it holds up. I, you know, I remember that for a while Aronofsky was uh there was this RoboCop remake uh in the works with Darren Aronofsky directing and I remember thinking that's ridiculous. I I need to rewatch this movie and see what's going on. And really thinking, wow, RoboCop kind of holds up. I mean, it's got some weird 80s kind of vibes to it at times. But uh, I really they're like really it. weird
0: movies and they don't make they're really uh, non pandering to young
1: people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've I definitely respected that. And it's, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing. I'm sad. They don't make anymore.
1: We have a good friend named Gordon who runs a movie blog. Uh, uh, I guess I feel like this would be a great place to name his movie blog, but I don't know what it's called. Do you know Gordo's movie blog name? It's called Pictures Up. Ah, good. So Pictures Up is our friend Gordon's movie blogging. Gordon made the observation, I think this maybe led to me rewatching RoboCop, and I hope he said this, because he said something to the effect of RoboCop is the best movie, one of the best movies out of the 80s, Uh, which I was like, that's ridiculous, that can't be, you know. The 80s, so much awesome stuff came out of the 80s, but I think RoboCop is, I think I agree with that. Uh, anyway, I just asked Kelly Wan because I was so surprised at, at how well I thought RoboCop held when up. When did you see it? I um, see RoboCop periodically. Was it about was a year in- ago. It was
2: it was in within the last six months that Gordon did he did a really great essay about where he did like a shot by shot yep. Yep. an analysis of a scene in RoboCop, and I think you can go if you go to uh, picturesup at dot wordpress you can find it and and his name's Gordon Cameron. It's just a really good analysis and it really it, it did the same thing to me that it did to Tom. It made me think, boy, does RoboCop hold up, and it really does. Yeah,
1: mm. so. All right, so Magnavolt from RoboCop. See, Kelly Wand, your topic was awesome because it uh, spawned a discussion of RoboCop. Oh, it did? See, you had no confidence in this topic.
0: Oh, stupid topic. (laughs) Hate you.
1: All right, well, we know Dingus' number one is Brondo from Idiocracy. Mm. Uh, My number one, I'm going to give you a line from it. You know, this isn't just a line. I'm going to do a short exchange from this movie, uh, so bear with me. I will be playing multiple parts in this exchange, and it will include a very unbecoming term that I apologize for. This is another movie from the 80s, and they could use this term back then. They use this term in idiocracy, by the way. Alright, here we go. John Wayne was a fag. The hell he was. He was to you, boys. I go to his pad in Brentwood to install a two-way mirror, and he come to the door in a dress. Hell, that doesn't mean he was a homo, Miller. Lots of guys like to watch their buddies fuck.
0: <laughs> all right so there you go that is a line from i thought you were done swearing with fag and i go wow john Wayne fag that's pretty
1: i know there's there's harsh language i apologize that people had yeah. to hear that well, it's
0: fun to hear you say it though thank you you're such a dainty school
1: <laughs> uh, the- i
0: do it no one even cares
1: that is an exchange from repo man do you guys know the product placement in repo man
0: repo man
2: i thought you were quoting running scared
1: uh, no. <laughs> there is great John Wayne stuff in Running Scared, isn't there? Uh, is featuring the Featuring the great Carol Rodan as a as a, uh, a John Wayne admirer. Uh, no, so in Repo Man, you don't remember the product placement. Uh, fuck. Here's the joke. For the most part, there is no product placement. Repo Man is all generic items everywhere. Right, 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 right. When we first meet Otto, he's working at a, at a supermarket, That's and he's, he's stacking cans that is just a white label with the black words, yellow cling peaches on it. Uh, when he goes home, uh, or when, when, the, when he takes up with the Repo Man, they offer him a beer. And it's just a white bottle. It's a white can yeah. with the word beer on it. Uh, then when he goes home and tries to get money from his dad, he opens a refrigerator, and there's a can that he's eating out of it with a spoon and on the can is the words food. That's <laughs> great. Uh, and at one point uh, when he's out with Harry Dean Stanton uh, and they're doing coke, Harry Dean Stanton says, let's go get a drink. And then it cuts to a shot of Harry Dean Stanton putting on the counter of the liquor store a six-pack with cans with the word drink on it. Uh, uh, so not even beer. It's Not even beer. Uh, it's let's let's go getting get a- worse as the movie goes on. It's
0: becoming it's like exactly. a old K. Dick novel.
1: It's, let's go get a drink, and there are drinks. And then there's a big old shootout at the end of Repo Man, I think in the same liquor store, where all of these products are on the the shelves. You know, there's cornflakes and tomato ketchup and stuff, and it's all just generic products everywhere. But the weird thing that I didn't remember... Uh, watching Repo Man, there is an actual bona fide real-world product placement. Early on in the movie, when we meet Otto, when we meet Emilio Estevez's character, and he's working in the supermarket, the guy he's working with is singing the 7-Up commercial. He's singing, feeling 7-Up, I'm feeling 7-Up. He's sitting there singing, and Otto's like, stop singing, Kevin. And Kevin's like, what? I'm not singing. Uh, and the guy's singing the 7-Up commercial. So there's 7-Up product placement in uh, Repo Man. But only musical, not logo. Correct. You do not see a Seven Up logo, so they can't be sued He's by Coca Cola. He's also singing company. a song for product that doesn't seem
0: to exist in the universe of the movie,
1: as far as it's we like, know. Please. Right? Hmm. Uh, Maybe
0: it's a, a fictional product from a movie in that universe.
1: Right. Exactly. Maybe Kevin saw a movie There's that a movie had called product. There's a Repo Man in there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So, is your actual choice all generic products?
1: It is the generic. It is the lack of product it's not placement. Set up. Yeah. Well, you know, if it had to be one thing, I would pick the drink gag where yeah. Harry Dean Stanton says, "Let's go get a drink." Uh, it would be drink in uh, Repo Man. That's but what I it's, put you down for. Okay, but it is. That's the thing is, it's not a product like Alex Cox. I think constant, consciously decided this is going to be a gag in the Repo Man universe, as everything is a generic product.
0: Yours are all liquids, depending on how one interprets buttfuckers.
1: (laughs) I'm not going to touch that one. Kelly One,
0: what is your number
1: one choice? (laughs) What is your number one choice, and does it involve any profanity? No,
0: that's not not what I'm about. (laughs) Uh, This is from a movie that I don't... There's a lot of bad movies with some kind of good product placement in it, mm-hmm. but in uh, there's this Spike Lee produced fake documentary called CSA Confederate States of America, where it's like uh, an alternate reality where the South won the Civil War, and it's like the history of the United States after that. And so one thing, oh, this is breaking the list. There's like a D.W. Griffith Birth of a Nation in this other reality but it's like lincoln fleeing to canada and he's disguised himself in blackface and uh it's like the movie that they show clips of uh where he's like found and then he gets lynched and i like that
1: it's funny all right so a movie can be a product i i would allow what is this movie called do we know no i think it's called birth
0: of a nation in canada
1: All right, so Spike Lee's fake Birth of a Nation counterpart. I'll look up what it's called. No, 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 no. Nope. I'm just trying to reaffirm your choice. I think it's a perfectly cromulent choice, Kelly Wand. Perfectly what? (laughs) It's a a Bushism. I wouldn't expect you to to know it.
0: Cromulent.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's it's another product from Idiocracy.
0: All right, I'll tell you what. If one of my runners-up is impressive to you... I'll write it up as my number one. Nope, your number one is locked nope, in. I get to write it up. You don't get to write it up, so I can change the
1: rules. <laughs> you don't write it on the website. All right, so what runners up do you guys have? Nobody picked a slusho from Cloverfield, which actually doesn't even does it even appear in Cloverfield. So they had this whole viral marketing thing with a fake drink. Is it actually in Cloverfield?
0: It I don't remember. I don't remember much about it, so I couldn't pick it because it's just a random name. I don't even
1: like know what you So, dingus, they did viral marketing for Cloverfield before it came out, and they had something. They had this like soft drink company as part of some plot, or I don't, I don't know what it was because I didn't keep up with the viral marketing for Cloverfield. But it was based on a fake drink out of Alias, the TV show. And there's something about Slusho was harvesting seaweed from the sea floor, and it woke up Cloverfield. Or Kelly, Juan, do you know more about this?
0: Yeah, that's what happened, but the beauty of Clearfield is, in the movie, it just looks like something falls into the water, so if you don't know the viral marketing, it works as, a oh, it's an egg from space, so the movie will work for you on that level, but if you know the viral marketing, you actually know what the thing is, and it's like a satellite, something, something, blah, blah, blah. blah.
2: Doesn't, hold on a second.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Doesn't it?
2: Doesn't Spock order that in Star Trek?
1: Yes, yes, and it's also he also used it in Star Trek.
2: Oh, uh, that's right. It's it's
1: that's a uh, lame. never
2: mind, never mind. Sorry.
1: Yeah, JD it Although my favorite fake. Fig- so Cloverfield person. happened in the Star
0: Trek universe.
2: No, it's just him being cute.
0: What he's saying? It's the same universe. It's canon. Cloverfield's Mister Spock and Captain Kirk are all in the same universe.
1: Uh, all right, other runners up.
0: Tom's bored. Uh, one of mine was, uh, Buzz Cola from Surf 2, end of the trilogy, because it turned surfers into zombies. What, what was the movie? Surf 2, the end of the trilogy. It was Buzz Cola with three Zs.
1: There's a zombie movie about surfers? I need to see that. That sounds awesome. See? <laughs> uh, Dingus, any runners-up for you?
2: Uh, I had two. I had Dan, um... And then I had Red Apple Cigarettes, which which I mentioned a couple weeks ago is the uh, Quentin Tarantino go-to cigarettes.
0: And Big Kahuna Burgers is his other one, isn't it? Right.
1: Oh, you know and- that...
2: Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Tom.
1: That makes me think of that I forget the name of the movie, but I remember telling you guys about it. There was a movie where these this couple gets lost in the desert and they end up at like a haunted motel and a mysterious character offers the main character Overlook cigarettes, <laughs> which is a nod to The Shining and uh, the movie becomes very much like The Shining. So that made me think of Overlook cigarettes.
0: And then uh, the elevator, all the cigarettes start spilling out in the trailer. All the
1: don't know what that's a reference to. Oh, like the blood in The Shining. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> but, but then the um,
2: the Fuddruckers thing you brought up, Tom, made me wonder if um, th- that that word always makes me think of role models. And is the sports drink they do in role models is that a real
1: drink? I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It, like, isn't there a truck a promotional? Like, isn't there a truck that's a promotional thing for the sports drink? Or am I thinking of something else?
2: no no it is they have they have a sport they have a promotional truck and and they wreck it and then louis ck comes and arrests them and um but i i don't remember what the name of the sports drink is but but you bringing up the fuddruckers uh joke reminds me of right. that line and makes me wonder if that's a real sports drink
1: now dingus why would fuddruckers remind you of a line from Role Models?
2: <laughs> because they all like hamburgers
1: <laughs> yeah, Wanda, have you seen role models No, I don't see movies about role models. It has some uh, wonderfully inappropriate dialogue that even Dingus won't say on a podcast. Uh,
2: Well, I'm at my um, in-laws' house right now, so I'm sort of policing my language a little bit. (laughs)
1: What, your in-laws listen to
0: this podcast?
2: No, but everybody's asleep, but only slightly asleep because I'm talking.
0: And they
1: can hear you, and if you say the F word, they'll hear it. Uh, so these aren't really products, but actually I'm not even going to mention them. Uh, there's fake, there's like fake science things in movies, but those aren't products. Uh, so that was the, a
0: different category. We
1: did the slush show in um, Star Trek made me think of uh, Red Matter. That's a far better uh, fake product. I'm not Star a Trek counter. <laughs> I, think, I think you can get it over the counter. I don't know. I don't know. You can see a guy about a little red matter, and he'll give you some. Uh, oh, Kelly Wand, any other, any other runners-up? I need to make a point to see this surfer zombie movie, by the way.
0: Uh, does Pineapple Express count? Because I've seen it over the counter. But I don't know if he gets it over the counter unless you count James Franco and unless you count
1: the uh, crucifix-shaped joint as a separate item. And nobody mentioned Willy Wonka. I would have thought, Dingus, that would have been... Gobstoppers. Uh, Gobstoppers. Wasn't ah. there some blueberry stuff that Baruca Salt eats and the... Uh, yeah. What, fizzy, fizzy lifting drinks. Dingus is always quoting the fizzy lifting drink line. I'm surprised you didn't pick that, Dingus.
2: You, if you're going to say that line, you really have to be able to yell, and I can't do that right now.
1: <laughs> okay, fair it enough. It wasn't available over the
0: counter yet, too. It was still a prototype. And because.
2: all that, that Willy Wonka stuff is all real products now.
0: Yeah. No. Like Obstopper. Gobstopper. What does it taste like? Uh, The first part tastes like roast beef, and the second part tastes like deodorant. So i still got to work out the (laughs) way. And also, Vapoo Rise from the movie Envy that Jack Black invents.
1: Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. Wow, it's a Barry Levinson movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really crappy
0: movie, yeah. but I like that premise. I like the idea that he invents something. He's an idiot, and he invents something that just that's like totally implausible. And that's like that, that's like Ben Stiller's cross to is Like it doesn't work. It, like where does it go? Like it just disappears, and never no one. He never gets a straight answer to it. He's just like in this alternate universe where an idiot can break the laws of physics, and that he will not. <laughs> He'll never what, understand.
1: what do you call the thing that Steve Martin invents in The Jerk? I was trying to remember the name of that. Because he invents it's the a bracket, bracket clipper, yeah, and yeah. It's a bracket that pulls your it. your glasses up on your nose, right? And it turns everyone cross eyed. So that's is that a real product, Kelly Wand? Yeah, more of them right now.
0: <laughs> but I just glue it to my nose, and then it takes off a little skin in the morning. But there's like stuff you can put on your skin.
1: Okay, I hope you don't go cross eyed. That's no nose. <laughs> dingus why don't you give us a three by three for next week what do you got for us wait what, what's the also why but we already yeah
2: to. yeah you took that off the table oh, um what's what's the drug in robocop
0: nuke nuke or something it just
2: yeah. nuke? i can think of it as ice nine but it's clearly not ice nine <laughs> damn it
1: Soilent nine is it okay is it over the counter Oh, uh, good! Yeah, well done, Tom.
0: So, remember that movie, The Stuff? It was like the Aliens crazy film.
1: Rob Cohen—that's the guy who uh, did Q, which is actually uh, another crappy movie that I will repeatedly watch, like The Car and Chupacabra and, it's Q and does rule. <laughs> Being yep. awesome. Yep. Exactly. Uh,
0: He's quite. way awesomer in that than Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones.
1: Oh well, Q. Yeah, Q is better than any Indiana Jones movie. It's better than any other letter uh the stuff is uh i don't think the stuff holds up well no it's got garrett morris in it
0: which is kind of <laughs> weird to see yeah and the fact that i that's all i remember about it means the rest of <laughs> the movie must be really
1: lame it does have uh it has uh uh Mori- or, uh uh the guy in q what's his name moriarty no yeah, it's dan Stenart. moriarty who's the moriarty. girl character uh michael moriarty isn't that his uh, michael name? oh i thought it was Daniel. Great, great girl character he's very he was medley. on
2: law and order he's yeah yeah a he beca-
1: he's a great actor and he became i guess he went on to become mr tv but in nobody i don't think anybody really knew who he was in q and it's just this this riveting almost like walken-esque performance yeah uh and it anchors q which otherwise has a bunch of like cheesy stop motion actually the stop motion stuff looks kind of cool uh it's uh, just weird that it's in that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but it, it's it's one of those rare monster movies where the times when the monster's not on the screen it's actually very watchable because there's an actor doing some really yeah. cool stuff it's like
0: if robert shaw's Quint was in creature the black lagoon uh that's beautiful like kelly wand very yeah. well put yeah it's like boring guy in suit but wait <laughs> you go in
1: the water Cre- black lagoon's in the water uh, and then he goes on to do the stuff, which is nowhere near as good. Yeah. All right, so let's do a three by three next week, uh, Dingus. What is it going to be? What do you got for us?
2: All right, we're going to do um, something that has uh, been on my list for a while, and Kelly's uh, lists a few weeks ago about transitions uh, made me bring it back, and and so this is your favorite movie montages.
1: Oh. That's fun. Mm. What if I don't like montages?
2: Well, I would say, have you ever watched the beginning of the movie Up?
0: Mm. Or Rocky Three? That's no montage. <laughs> All right, so we'll take Up off
2: the table because we've used it a few times, and it's that whole thing of of using, like, a music I – mean, I don't know that you have to do music, but that's the popular way montage goes right now uh, to you know, affect – Sort of a transition, but over a longer period of time than I think the topic Kelly was talking about used. Right.
0: Uh, I okay. America I like, has a song that.
2: And if you if you don't like it, that that's fine. You can use you can bend it to your will.
1: Ah, good. Maybe I will. Uh, I, there's a montage in Darkest Hour I want to tell you guys about. So Darkest Hour opens with invisible aliens, uh, they attack, and our heroes are in Moscow. They're in a nightclub, kills a bunch of people in the nightclub, and then they retreat into the basement and they lock the door. There's five characters three of whom know each other and don't necessarily like each other, and then there's the two chicks who they just met. They're locked in the basement, and it, it's the camera's in one place, and it, it it sort of does a crossfade where the characters are in different places, and there's a title card that says Friday. And then there's another crossfade, and it says Saturday. And then another fade, and it says Sunday, and some of the characters are arguing. And another, it says Monday, and one of the characters is saying, this is our last can of olives. And then Tuesday. <laughs> so it, it, it right can off of the olives. bat that's what they have to live on I uh, they're in a nightclub so right off the oh. bat darkest hour just like skips over all the like messy character development and who is right. what to whom and <laughs> what happens those and, are just dark hours Not and then ever. and and by the way <laughs> afterward yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Those are those are not. the or light the, hours,
0: <laughs> lit hours.
1: Uh, and then after a week in this basement, by the way, because these are young, attractive actors and actresses, of course, uh, nobody looks unshowered, which is one of the things I right. thought. They they look remarkably clean and fresh-faced for guys who were parked in a basement for a week. Uh, yeah. So, Dingus, I just want to say this might be a spoiler that will not be on my list for favorite montages.
0: Hi, Olivia Thurlby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, Kelly I want you to see Darkest Hour and report to us whether or not it was worth it for the throw. Thrill- How much is she in
0: it? And you know what I'm talking about by in it.
1: Uh, she, do you want me to? I'll, okay, here's another. Uh, so, uh, Olivia... <laughs> <laughs> Olivia. me say her name.
0: I got to <laughs> uh, hear the name.
1: There's a really cool movie. Actually, it's an uneven movie, but it's got great characters. There's a movie called London Boulevard in which Kira Knightley basically plays Kira Knightley. She's like a celebrity, uh, and she's been in a bunch of successful movies, and she's stalked by paparazzi. And there's a great exchange where she talks about how the purpose of a woman in a movie. Yes. You know, the purpose of an actress in a movie is to give the lead actor someone to talk to, is to ask him questions so he can talk about himself. What? And it, she's, she's disparaging like Hollywood conventions. Uh, and I couldn't help but think of this in Darkest Hour, where we have two female characters and two male characters. While they're escaping... One of the female characters, the lesser famous one, she played one of the Charlie's Angels on the crappy uh, a the crappy TV show that was canceled. Uh, she gets killed. So and she was Olivia Thurlby's friend, and she gets killed by the aliens, and that's terrible, but the three of them escape. And then, shortly thereafter, Emile Hirsch's friend, Max Minghella, he gets killed. And then they escape. So now we have Emile Hirsch and Olivia Thurlby surviving. Oh. And he has this scene where he 's all upset and crying about his friend being dead, and he had, he gets a little monologue about how they grew up together, and their moms knew each other, and he was always looking out for him and she doesn 't get a line of dialogue about, about losing her friend. her friend exactly and I was like I was like "F, F goofy." Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is such a typical thing. You know, the the woman's there just to to, to be sort of a sounding board for the the uninteresting dude. So we
0: can look at the guy's face while he cries. uh, Everyone wants to see that.
2: Anyway, what do we 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 know Max Mengele from?
1: uh, Arena, that Rachel, that thing where uh, Rachel Weiss discovers circles. (laughs) My man. (laughs) It's literally what it's about. She discovers ellipses, though. We uh, did a
2: podcast th- movie with Lipsies. him.
1: What do we know? Because I don't like him, and I, I have a reaction against him. I don't know what it's from. Is he in Five Hundred Days of Summer? Maybe. Hmm. No, that's not right. I don't know, but I don't like him, and he dies in Darkest Hour. So, haha. You love Emil Hirsch. <sighs> For some reason, I think I do, but I wasn't that crazy about Into the Wild. Why do we like Emil Hirsch? Uh, Speed Racer. <laughs> By the way, Darkest Hour opens with an Alec Baldwin moment where they're on the plane to Moscow, and the stewardess tells him to turn off his little, he's playing a game or something on an iPhone, and she tells him to turn it off, and he won't do it. And he has a little uh, exchange with the stewardess about, look, if this could really bring the plane down, you wouldn't let me even bring it on. I'm going to. Right. That's a good uh, point. It's a little Alec Baldwin moment. Uh, Wait, it's also Alec from Baldwin the, use
2: that. Yeah. It's a West Wing moment, too.
1: Oh, uh, Social
2: Network. He was in Social Network.
1: Oh, but we did like him in that.
2: didn't Yeah. We?
1: yeah he was fine, yeah, he was, he was fine. Fine. yeah
2: he was there uh their computer the computer nerd who worked with the Winkleboss
1: twins, yeah,
0: I remember That's he was it. on Letterman, and he said that when he was flying in a plane over Hawaii, he said he'd never been there before, and he expected to see dinosaurs, <laughs> and Letterman went.
1: Oh, can <laughs> Yes. That's one of those awesome actor stories that I think probably didn't sound like he intended it to sound. Right. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But if, if He's like the young, handsome actor, so he just assumes if he says anything and doesn't shit on someone, he'll get applause. Nine
1: times out of ten, it does work.
0: That's great.
1: Letterman Kelly Wand, says, if you were ever on Letterman, what story would you tell? I did
0: see dinosaurs. <laughs> I didn't tell a boring story about not seeing them. Caught
1: uh all right so there that's there we go that's I'm sorry to subject everyone to so much darkest hour uh, talk but no, if now I, can I don't save, have to see it yeah if I can save just one person from seeing the darkest hour I my work is done here there wasn't
0: much to say about Tintin. I mean even if you love it it's the best movie ever there's not much to say about it. uh
1: and I don't think well, I, yeah I, I, I don't th- think it will be anyone's favorite movie I think it's the end of Tintin. I think it's- I'm curious. I'd like to watch with Spielberg's kids
0: and see if they zone out. Like, yeah, all right. I <laughs> it, but we would have rather seen another Transformers. Oh, Kelly, Wand, Why would you say that? Because
1: it's his kids?
0: He's they're brainwashed.
2: After after I left Tintin, um, the the John Williams score was so generic and so just I'm cribbing from Indiana Jones crap that the main thing I left the the music running through my head was Season of the Witch because <laughs> Paranorman, <laughs> uh, and i wasn't watching the Paranorman trailer but i just heard season of the witch playing in my head over and over again and Wait, so you don't
0: tra- mean halloween three season of the witch you mean nicholas cage in a in a stagecoach
1: on a bridge
2: no i mean then the, the donovan song the, oh
1: donovan? god yeah. i was gonna say cream but i think you're right dingus yeah yeah it might be cream no i think you're right i think it's donovan this is the worst um, conversation on the <laughs>
2: But but that's how much impact Tintin had on me that the that a that a song from a trailer I didn't watch was was prominent in my brain as I left.
1: Yeah, uh, Dingus, I, I'm I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts Kelly Wand and I did not stay through the credits. You did. Was there any cool little button at the end where he sure. discovers horrors, Thor's discovers yeah. another fucking map? Yeah, what did we miss?
2: Uh, you only missed that Peter Jackson was the second unit director.
0: I saw that part i thought well, that was the easter egg <laughs> <laughs> that's it
2: there was nothing else
0: it wasn't alex cox
1: mm-hmm. all right uh well how do you guys feel about doing a top 10 list for next week i like instead it instead of seeing a movie or we have to see something and do a. it no, next week will be our top 10 show uh you have to see 10 movies
0: i have yes. to see ten ten 10 movies
1: Ugh! We would never that, ah. Kelly Lond. We like you too much. In addition, we'll be we'll each be doing our top ten list. We'll we'll count it down in a, the same way we did last year. I'll brief you at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, we will also be each choosing our most surprising and our most disappointing movie. They may or may not be the same. Who knows? Uh, so we'll each have surprising. twelve movies. Bring into the we'll be bringing twelve movies to the table. And afterwards, we will do uh, Dingus's three by three on uh, montages that aren't from Up. That we like,
0: <laughs> so we don't have to see anything. We just have to write lists.
1: I don't know about you, Kelly Wong, but I've got a few things I still need to catch up. Yeah. On. So yeah, I do need Actually, to. Actually, you're it. right. This uh, is the worst thing ever. And as usual, if you see something that you feel the rest of us should see, send out an email because uh, I'm going to. This my next week is my catch up week. Uh, so we'll do what we can to scramble and, and get what we can under our belts. Uh, although, yeah. there's been a lot of. Cra- I guess Christmas is always like this: is you get crappy stuff. But, uh, but you get I, all the Oscar I, I just feel like last year was much more of a scramble. I feel like I have a pretty good handle on getting it all seen this year. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. So Do I have
0: to have seen the movies that are on my top ten list? Or can I just sound – and I just nod portentously? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, we need you to explain what makes them special. So at least Wikipedia well, then can read good. up on okay, what okay, makes them special. Okay. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I would say the, – the, the, I'm looking the, at you, Midnight in Paris – just just know the titles.
1: <laughs> as, <laughs> long as, as long as you can phonetically repeat the name of. The I know title, when it no takes more. place and where. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll, we'll be that. We'll be doing that for you next week. Our top ten movies, our most surprising, most disappointing movie, and Dingus' three by three. I am Tom Chick, and I have been joined by Christian McCr- McCracken.
0: Uh,
2: it, uh, wow, that's a weird one. Uh, it's Christian Maroski
1: <laughs> and Kelly Wand. Uh, Twenty eight years earlier. Hey,
0: hey, mom, said the way you move gonna make you sweat, going make you
2: groove You've used that one, dude mm-hmm. You used the
1: other one? He used yeah, the, but um, I mean,
0: Wait, what's his excuse? He was going to say something there
1: Well, until yeah, Led Zeppelin I... makes this Until Led Zeppelin makes a song called White Dog We're using this For every movie or every movie with the dog in it How many movies do you know with white dogs in them? Wait, uh, huh? What? I'm waiting. How many movies can you name with white dogs in them? Uh,
0: what's colors? Gromit? <laughs> or is he the? Or is Wallace the dog? He's Does like, like Mr. Beige. Magoo. Have a dog? Oh, yeah. I no, believe he's, he just blind. Say, he he's white. How can he beat There's something about Mary. Digby the giant dog. Yeah, something about Mary. Thank you, Dingus. The Shaggy D A was white, and um, the Shaggy dog was white. Okay, well, maybe I'll use this song for those podcasts. Rin Tin Tin was black and white and red all
1: over. <laughs> oh, Doug. Isn't Doug white? I don't know what color Up. Old Yeller was.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, Doug is white. Isn't Doug the, na- the dog from Up? He's like white, right? His name's no. no. It's brown. What
2: about the dog nope. in Young Adults?
1: Uh, you, you, oh, good you used point, Theron? Dingus. Oh, Dingus, that's a very good one. Yeah. You know what? Let's stop talking about it because that's going to be my three by three. Uh, favorite white little white dogs in movies. And your <laughs> top ten. And your most surprising.
0: Oh, uh, this podcast is over now. But He's... the talking's just begun. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. <laughs> don't tell them what you heard. Just, you know, kind of beat around the bush so they get a sense that it's worthless. Yeah, you don't tell. You don't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Listen Internet.